And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. Santa's workshop. Eat this. And only Lee Majors can stop them. The night the reindeer die. Podcast and it's Christmas! Hey! Hey! Fun stuff. Episode 155. We're releasing this episode early so that we can hit the uh, the whole Christmas thing because today is, as I like to call it, Christmas Eve Eve. Right. It's not really that early. It's early. We're then. releasing it. Yeah, I'm going to release Earlier it. than what we normally would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got you. So, so it's an early Christmas present. So, um, I <laughs> okay. thought we'd, we'd... Hopefully. We'd, uh, it's, uh, oh, I didn't, we didn't do the regular intro. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm Tom Carnell. I'm Brian Ellison. And I'm Langley West. And as you can see, eggnog flowing. Woohoo! <laughs> so, uh, we're going to, we thought we'd, since it's a Christmas time, that we were, we would... Kind of just gather together and go around the table and just talk about a couple of our favorite Christmas films. Right. We've done a Christmas film episode, sure, where but we kind of breeze through a lot of. We've done a lot of we, we we've done a few Christmas things. So like we we did the Rankin and Bass special. Oh yeah, um, and we and I we did my own. <laughs> and we did you know just like Christmas movies in general. But this year we're doing kind of a. a, a Honing in, yeah, we're, yeah, exactly. We're honing in, <laughs> and we are um, uh, to a point that I think we were going to talk about prior to, to jumping on the mic. Well, um, whether we're probably going to discuss whether or not the movies that we pick that that we're going to talk about are actually Christmas movies, mm-hmm. or are they Christmas movies? You know, or movies that take place during Christmas? Christmas. But yeah, the idea is that. These are movies that mean Christmas to us. Uh, 
yeah. regardless of whether anybody else. And Brian Ellison, you yeah, would there's concur. A, what's that? You would concur. Yeah, at some point. I mean, there's always those wise guys. You're like, hey, what's a good Christmas movie? Oh, Die Hard. I'm like, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. it's, it takes place during Christmas, but is it a Christmas movie? I'm more of a traditionalist, so I'll probably disagree, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, let's, before we get started into our films, let's talk about that, because there's a lot of memes and stuff going around about right. how it's not Christmas till I see Hans Gruber fall from Nakatomi Plaza. Right. There you go, yeah, exactly. And I think yeah. what's more important than... I mean, the overall umbrella says, does it have, and this is going to get really cliche, the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> right. Is it exactly. a film um, that is, I mean, Jingle All the Way is about, it ha- is kind of considered a Christmas film. Right. Um, but is it really about the spirit of Christmas? No, it's mostly about consumerism and, and getting Yeah, that's the one with Schwarzenegger, right? Yes, and Sinbad. Right. Actor, yeah, Sinbad, and they're fighting over toys. Yeah, the yeah, actor, saw that. The actor that is Sinbad. Yeah. You know, that's yes, like... The, the actor that is you know, Sinbad. A knee-jerk response for me whenever people say, hey, what's one of your favorite Christmas movies? And I always go, Brazil. <laughs> but because Brazil takes place during Christmas, but it is not a Christmas movie. It does not have the Christmas spirit. And oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Where I think like something like uh, this is considered a Christmas movie, but like Elf, Elf explodes with Christmas right, spirit. Exactly. So um, that's that for me. That's kind of the delineation. You know, it's yeah. not so much like, hey, there's snow on the ground and there's lights in the window. Um, this is a film that really embodies what we all kind of. It's weird, this sort of ha- thing that happens in the zeitgeist around Christmas. Yeah, it's like uh, Battle of the Bulls. That's my favorite Christmas movie because it took place during winter of right. December. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and, yeah, and, the, and the reverse of that is something that's going to happen with, with one of my movies. It's not a Christmas movie, but it's full of that Christmas, I don't know, magic, mm-hmm. that Christmas spirit. And I'll, I'll make an argument for that when we get all right, there. But. All right. So uh, what I thought what we would do for the next hour or so is sort of just go around the table, um, bring up a film, and we'll talk about it a little bit. And we've previously made sure that we're not picking the same films. Um, and uh, kind of to just discuss what's what we think about it. Anyone who wants to go first? I.e. not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go Lame first. you go first, All right, buddy. Word. All right, uh, so my first movie is um, 1984's Gremlins. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally I, a Christmas movie. Yeah, it's totally... Despite, despite a guy dying in a chimney. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. Is that it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a comedy horror film, uh-huh. right? Um, it's directed by uh, Joe Dante... Executive produced by Steven Spielberg, and you know both of those cats are able to. Uh, I, I, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, like Stephen King, that like I I just get loads of Americana right from them. It's like somehow those guys make American movies, and for for better or worse, I, I think of Christmas as an American thing. I do. Uh, Well, because that's that's very selfish of you. But (laughs) well, I I do because um, while Christmas is is celebrated in places all around the world, Santa Claus was created by Coca Cola. Yeah, yeah. We marketed it. Yeah, yeah. You you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it. it, it But the Christmas spirit wasn't created by Coca Cola. No, not at all. The Christmas spirit was Pepsi. Was (laughs) created. Well, I mean, you can trace that back to Charles Dickens. 
Right. right. I mean, yeah, there's yeah, all kinds of things that existed prior just, to Coca-Cola, I think, my friend. I think a lot of the drag of it, meaning the clothing and the aspect of it, is very Victorian. Well, oh, across sure. Across the board. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I, yeah. I get what you're saying. Though. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Gremlins. Um, the return, the acting that is Hoyt Axton. Well, see, and that's... <laughs> so, Hoyt I sense a theme with you, Tom. I sense a theme here with you. He kicks ass. Yeah, he's movie. great in the role. He's great in the role. He's that, good, dude. yeah. Hoyt, play yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, any movie that's got Key Luke wearing contact yeah, clothes yeah, yeah. being blind, I'm like, I'm all over yeah. that. Yeah. Key Luke, yeah, he probably, he probably had his own contact lenses. <laughs> he was always wearing them. <laughs> he was probably like... God damn it! You're gonna make me wear these things again. I wore these You're the wise old years. man. I'll get my <laughs> lenses. Poe. Yeah, Master Poe. Go ahead. Um, I didn't realize this, but uh, Gremlins was released the exact same weekend as Ghostbusters. What? Oh, a, wow. What a fucking weekend, man! Like you know, for wow, for I did, that's crazy horror comedy. I, I didn't. I. I. I didn't realize that. But, but in my research, hey, look, there it is. Because that was a summer release, wasn't it, Gremlins? When you say the weekend, what what are we talking about? Wasn't it the I d- summer? I don't know what week. I, I that I don't know. But they, yeah, they, I think it was a summer movie. Yeah, yeah. So June maybe somewhere so, yeah. there, May so or June. Weirdly, a Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. But on the other summer. hand, it was a big effect movie, effects movie. Yeah. And those are usually it was a blockbuster tentpole. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I I, I want to put a shout out to um, uh, the guy who who did the effects on it because the. I love the effects in mm-hmm. Gremlins. Um, they're, they're, you know, it's before computers. They're all practical. Is it? Uh, is that Chris Wallace? It's no. Chris. You know something? Okay, so this is something that comes up on the podcast, and it forces you to try to figure these things out, right? I've re- I've read this guy's name for years and years, uh-huh. right? And I've heard people pronounce his name Chris Wallace. My effects friends out there who know Chris, is it Chris Wallace or Chris Wallace? It looks like Chris Wallace, but anyway, yes, that you're guy. right. That yeah, guy. yeah. I remember yeah. that like Fangoria doing just major coverage on on this film and well, and yeah, talking a lot about dude. There was that guy. so many puppets and so many different sure. things made, and some of them were some of them were animatronic. And because Baker was, did Gremlins too. Yeah, okay. that's right. Yeah, and that was kind of a People were like, "Why?" Because Chris did such a good job. Because he's Rick Baker, and he... right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Gremlins yeah. Two was kind of fun, though. I, I, I actually I agree. Did, I liked it. Yeah, it was all well, super silly. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. But you know, um, uh, John John Glover is great in that movie. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people that are great in Gremlins. Um, Zach Galligan mm-hmm. is, is is fantastic. Is as uh, 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 Billy, the, the the main guy. Yeah. Phoebe Cates. Phoebe Cates Come and Phoebe on. Cates. Yeah, she's like, yeah. Corey Feldman doing his thing that he did when he was a kid. And he was great in it. Hoyt Axton was fantastic. Yeah. Everybody was great. Uh, Polly uh, Holiday uh-huh. um, as Mrs. What's her name? Mrs. Deagle? Sure. The, 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 I remember. The, the bitchy banker lady. Mrs. Kravitz, yeah. whatever it is. Well, it's, it's, I always <laughs> think of those characters as Mrs. Kravitz. Yeah, Nurse Ratchet. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, originally it was it was supposed to be a lot darker. Mm. It, um, uh, Billy's mother, the gremlins were some, you know the scene where, where she's at home alone and she's having to fight the gremlins? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, originally her, they kill her. And Billy comes in and they toss her head down the stairs. Wow. And and the you know the studio's like, oh fuck no, and so they're like, okay, 
fine. Yeah, we'll let her live. We'll let her live. And not only that, she becomes badass and she kills a bunch of gremlins. Um, but they also wanted to cut out the uh, what I think is the best part of the movie, the Santa Claus story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with Phoebe Cates talking about how the how she found out there is no Santa. Mm-hmm. It t- it makes the entire film take take a weird left. Well, and, and that's why Joe Dante insisted that it stay in. He says because this movie is funny and scary, and this story epitomizes the entire movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny and scary. Right, right, right. For I'm sure everybody knows the story, but Phoebe Case finds out there's no Santa Claus because her dad is dressed up as Santa Claus, tries to tongue land the chimney, gets stuck, breaks his neck, dies in the chimney, and then they smell him a few days later. Um, and that's what I call Christmas. Oh, hell yeah. Originally, they were going to try to do the effects by um, putting suits on monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> Well, I mean, they said it it looked really cool until they put the gremlin's head on the monkey, and then the monkey would freak out. Yeah, go fig. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> but, the, you know, I... God, there must be test footage of that, right? Right. That's what I want to see, right? Exactly. Or to the monkey. <laughs> That's so funny. Freaking out. Um, I think we just uh, come up with a YouTube video. Yeah, right? Man. Our, I, our version of gremlins with monkeys. When you see Gizmo, you know, the Mogwai, uh, like, when he's sad, yeah. holy shit. They nailed it. That, the design on that creature is, it's so, like, you're so immediately empathetic. It's so cool. And then, you know, and, and, and then the science teacher, I mean, it's dark, you know, the science mm-hmm. teacher gets killed. For me, Christmas is people magic. <laughs> Christmas magic is dark magic. Yeah. And well, I think inherent in Christmas is there's not only all of the positive things that you, sure. you associate with, but there's also, you know, it's also a time of great loneliness. Wait till we get to the deaths oh, this, yeah. this week. They're, they're out of control. Yeah. But the idea that there's there's always the other side of that coin that, right. that is available. That's and that right. in and of itself, which is one of my films that I'm going to talk about, yeah. um, talks about that spirit within people who don't have... You know, riches and. You know. I wanted to. I wanted to say to to include uh, something that Leonard Malton. Leonard Malton did not like that. Roger Ebert liked this movie, but Leonard Malton did not. He called it icky. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he said, "I love this. It's a cross between It's a Wonderful Life and The Blob." <laughs> <laughs> sure, and sure, I love sure, that. Sure, sure, I think sure, that sure. that's accurate. Yeah. So yeah, that's I remember. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to say, I remember when I saw it, I really enjoyed it. And um, the thing that really hit me was, of course, the, the so we say, the Christmas story about the father in the chimney. Because uh, I thought, well, that's an odd insertion. But, you know, it did work uh, for what the film was. But also, too, the battle in the toy store. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when, you, when you get to the end, that, I was fascinated by that because that's where the real darkness of this film comes out. And you're like, a toy store is supposed to be a place of fun for kids and a, a wonderful place to visit. And here you turn it into this, this horrendous battle sequence. And um, um, I just thought it was just very dark and like, wow, this is a strange movie in a way. Yeah. Uh, and, and then my understanding is this movie and then um, it was uh, Raiders, well, the Indiana Jones Temple of Doom were the two movies that people were kind of freaked out by because of the upturn in the violence and so-called right. PG movies, which led to the PG-13 rating. Right. Uh. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. Because um, yeah, a lot of parents were not happy with his Gremlins. They right. they thought they were great. Hey, it's a Spielberg <laughs> fun movie, and and uh, yeah, this is this is not what we expected for our children. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I I resented this. I'll be honest. I resented this film because like the as I said, Fangoria Starlog was all over it. And right. They were, and I and I was never a big Joe Dante fan. Right. So this was a film that I always felt like was pushed on me that you 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 sure. have to like you this. have to like it. Uh, so of course I was like, mm, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna like it. <laughs> and, yeah. um, but over the years I've softened on that, and I and I every time it's on you kind of look at it and it has its charm. Um, and oh, I think you nail it when you say the it captures that that any town USA yes. feeling. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that in and of itself, I think, is a man. And Dick Miller, God damn it, that Dick yeah. Miller, Dick Miller, yeah, he's man. always great. He's, yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. That's fair enough, though. Yeah. I think Gremlins is a good is a good choice. Yeah, uh, Brian. Let's go uh, I was going to say, by the way, I looked it up while you guys were talking. Gremlins and um, Ghostbusters were released in general release on the same day, June 8. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, what a year, man. Yeah, yeah, 1984. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Same year I graduated high school. <laughs> wait, wait, what year was it? 88? 84. 84. Oh, I, was, I was in junior high school. Go ahead. Sorry. No. I was in my 20s. No, you're... <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, no, four uh, years math. ago. Uh, math. What did Barbie say? Math is hard. Math is hard. It's like knots. Knots are hard. Uh-huh. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Brian. Okay, well, I, my, my pick is more traditional. And um, I, I to me, the ultimate Christmas movie has to be A Christmas Carol. Because it embodies, sure. those, it embodies those things that we were talking about, Christmas spirit. Right. It's set during right. the season. It deals with uh, topics of, of, of Christmas. And I'm, I'm cheating a little bit because I'm, I'm picking two films that are in a way related. Um, the first film, uh, just briefly, was released in 1951. It was called Scrooge. But here in the U.S., uh, it's called A Christmas Carol. I guess if you put Scrooge, it would throw people off, I suppose. So they've got to put A Christmas Carol on it. Right. But, that's, but that's what it was uh, called in 1951. And it's, um, it, was a, it was a British film Starring Alistair Sim, a well-known British actor. Mm, this became um, sort of synonymous. He became, became for a long time yeah. synonymous with this role. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yes. I also say that this film is such an, uh, a cornerstone of this sort of sub subgenre right. that it in of itself becomes open for parody, i.e., Scrooged. Yeah. Right. And right. yeah, you know, whenever you see right. like a ghost with chains, yeah, we're kind of see, referencing. And they're and they're and they're. There it is again, the darkness. Oh yeah, in Christmas. In, and, oh sure. And, and well, I think it's a reminder from pagan times of like the year is ending, things are closing, right. and now, but there's always that hope at the end of the look, motherfuckers, of the, things are dying. Yeah, right. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, well, the thing to remember too is that when that movie was released, it, it was a, 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 a popular film in Britain, but not here. The film was a box office disappointment here in the U.S. And it wasn't popular here in the U.S. Um, well, the, I have the, all those people that sound funny when they talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the reason I'm using it as a twofer to to tie into a Christmas Carol, which was a 1984 British American television movie, which starred George C. Scott as Scrooge and or Ebenezer Scrooge. Great in it. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah. The thing is, the the, the person who worked on Scrooge. Um, uh, he he was a um, 
he had a connection to uh, both films. Uh, Clive Donner was um, the director of the TV version, the 1984 version with A Christmas Carol with, with George C. Scott, but he was also the film editor on the original Scrooge movie. Um, so I, I tie them both in. So I think, one, the film is the best of the Christmas Carol movies, and I think A Christmas Carol with George C. Scott is the best of the TV um, versions. Wait, wait, but, wait. Better than the animated one with Jim Carrey? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Do you know what I will okay. say? I will I will footnote this and say this. If you can find, there's a book on tape that Patrick Stewart did. That's really good. Uh, well, Patrick yeah. Stewart did do a, a, a TV version. Carol. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did a TV version as well. And he's good, but uh, as, I, as I get into this, I'll tell you why I prefer these over the other ones. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a number of ones that are good, that are well done, but, but, and I haven't seen all of them, obviously. There's, there's a whole mess of these uh, movies rolling around. Um, so I can't speak to everyone. But, but out of the ones I have seen, and I've seen a number of them, TV and uh, film otherwise, including modern takes, etc., mm -hmm. like, like Scrooge, was it Scrooge, was it called that with Bill Murray? Yeah, Scrooge. Scrooge, yeah, yeah. There's, there's the, didn't Albert Finney do it at one point? And everyone uh, takes a little feels like sort it. of a yeah. turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. It seems like once, once a, it's an, like an, Hamlet. Everyone has to be screwed right, you know, right, at exactly. some point. Yeah. Right? But especially so, at a certain age, if you're an actor of a certain age, right. you get. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so if we just take Scrooge, um, as as I mentioned in, in there, it wasn't a success here. But as years went by, I think more and more people looked at the characterization that that Alistair Sim did with Ebenezer Scrooge, and I think it, it began to grow with people, and people started to like it. And as Tom said, it almost be, it's almost like this is the, dare I say, the definitive version of A Christmas Carol mm -hmm. yeah. because of, 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 of Sim's performance. And what he was able to do, I think, which is why I like the movie quite a bit, is you, you, you see the pathos in his character. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. he's, he's, in the beginning, you're thinking, like, this guy cannot be redeemed. You feel kind of sorry for him. It's, just, it's not just a one-dimensional uh, performance, and he, he's, he's able to take the performance and, in a way, he's able to, to just bring it beyond and elevate it to another level, which I think other in other versions of the films that I've seen, they don't do as well as he does in this movie because he's really the heart and soul of this movie, Alistair mm -hmm. Sim. Yeah, I think it's it's one of it's a classic example of the idea that like. You know, they, you know, even Hitler like puppies, that kind of thing. It's sure, like sure, sure. A, a fully rounded character. I mean, no one is inherently all bad. And, and this, this shows that the guy you met at the beginning of this film, here are the reasons why he well, turned as bitter as he, as he was. This particular movie, more than any other version of A Christmas Carol that I've ever seen, I believe the transformation yeah. more than any yes, of the others. Yes, and that's important. Yeah, that is that's critical. I, I yeah, would say right. Alistair Sims, when his face is lit up at the yeah, end of that, he, you just yeah. go, yes, Who's and he does that little dance on his bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. almost it's almost like a it's almost like Jekyll and Hyde. It's almost yeah. like watching this physical transformation. In many ways, I think Screw uh, the a Christmas Carol is kind of a Jekyll and Hyde thing. It, True, you know, yeah, yeah, terms yeah. of the character. Yeah. Therefore, it's a werewolf movie, which makes it even fucking better. But in a way that, but in a way that, the point with Scrooge is that, unlike Jekyll and Hyde, it's not a question of like he's evil, then he's now good. Mm. It's just that this movie kind of gives you an understanding. Uh, it takes a different tack than say the, the George C. Scott one, 
because in this movie they they do a little bit more about how how he really loved his sister and his sister died right. giving birth to well, his I nephew, which is why he has a problem with his nephew. Yeah. So so you so you get things in the movie that see I've always said that villains are the most interesting characters more so than heroes. Oh, definitely. Because sure. their stories are much better and and in order for a villain to be really good which is a lot of these superhero movies don't seem to understand sometimes, is that they need to be multidimensional. You need to sure. almost sort of kind of root for the villain. Well, I think you the need villain... You understand the villain and kind of root for him. The villain, and I think Sin does this well. The, the villain Not has... Not that I'm calling Scrooge a villain. The villain has to be his the hero of his own story. And True. You, and you have to give him enough motivation to be as evil as, as you need him to be to, to act as a counterbalance to the hero. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. And um, I think Sim does the best job in this particular movie. I agree. That leads me then to the 1984 A Christmas Carol with George C. Scott. Um, why do I like this uh, film? Uh, well, first of all, it has a fantastic cast. Uh, you have George C. Scott, who is great. You have Frank Finley in it. Um, Edward Woodward, uh, uh, Angela Pleasance, who plays Christmas Past. She's the daughter of Donald Pleasance. Um, you have David Warner as Bob Cratchit. Susanna York as his wife. Joanna Wally as Fan uh, Scrooge, uh, Ebenezer's sister. So a great cast, so it boasts that. And then what I liked about this movie a little bit more than some others, you get more of a background on Scrooge. You, kinda, you see him when he's a young man, like when they do the Christmas Past. You see him as a young man uh, with, a, with a woman that he really loves but feels like he can't marry because he doesn't have enough uh, money. Uh, this is the first version, I believe, that introduces Scrooge's father. So you, you meet right. Scrooge's father. It does, it does the job of creating empathy for Once Scrooge. again, yes. Yeah, it, which is yes. important. And, and also, this George C. Scott Scrooge has a little bit of a sense of humor. Sardonic, though it may be, he's got a, kind of a sense of humor uh, 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 about the things that he does, even though he's doing some, some mean things. Um, so let's, I, I let's face it, Jersey Scott at that age, uh, like looked like when you he hear the guy. word when you hear the word Scrooge when you hear Ebenezer Scrooge, um, you give Jersey Scott a little bit longer hair and mm-hmm. that's that guy. Yeah, he's the quintessential get off my lawn curmudgeon. That was exactly that. Quick sidebar. George C. Scott yeah. in The Exorcist 3 is, oh, yeah. so, is so good. Look up. He, is. he tells a story about a carp in his bathhouse. <laughs> that is the funniest thing you'll ever see. Go ahead. Sorry. No, Go ahead. no. So, so just to end it, I, I just think Scrooge, uh, the 1951 British version, is, is just the best film version. And then A Christmas Carol with George C. Scott is the best TV version. And put them together, I think it's a really, really good double bill if somebody wanted to do those movies right, yeah, on I agree. Christmas Day. And that TV Day. movie was released the same year as, as Ghostbusters. Yes. And Ghostbusters. <laughs> yes, and 1984 is a grand year for film. As was it really? Will, yeah. Well, I thought yeah, you were It's remembered no, vividly true. because of these movies that we just talked about. You know, it's about Ghostbusters and Gremlins. Wow. Yeah. You know uh, the 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 uh, uh, Indiana Jones and the and the Temple of Doom. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Red I mean, it's, Dawn, uh, which yeah. was actually the first movie that had the PG thirteen rating. Sure. Yeah. Wolverine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Cool. Um, this was not a film that was released in 1984. Uh, when we pulled this list together, the the gimme on this was me covering. 1954's White Christmas. Right. And we it knew is, that was going to happen. You knew this was yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah. 
favorite film, one of my favorite films of all time. I always make a joke about this in Night of the Living Dead, and that kind of tells you everything you need to know about me. I'm, well, I'm sure I've asked you this before, but why? Why this There's movie? So, everything we, we talk about with Christmas is, for me, is tied up in this film. It's family. And it's an excellent movie. It's an it's excellent movie. Across yeah. the board, excellent. Um, it's family, it's Christmas, it's love, it's finding the person you want, it's right. great songs. There's a there's one particular dance number um, called Abraham uh-huh. that Vera Ellen does that is to this day well, she's magnificent. She is magnificent movie. in this movie. Although she she didn't sing a lick in it. it most of the voices no. of her singing were Rosemary Clooney. Oh wow! Directed yeah, by she's known as a dancer. Yeah, yeah. She's in On the Town and a bunch uh-huh. of other stuff. Um, a thing about since we're talking about Vera Ellen, Vera Ellen uh, plays. Um, uh, uh, Judy Haynes, one of the two Haynes sisters. Right. They're they're a club act. Long story goes through about how Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye met during the, the war, and um, they're now a big star. And they meet these sisters. Right. And they there's this like love thing that happens between all of them. In the midst of this, there's a there it's these two guys's commanding officer who's now running an inn in Vermont. That is Played by who, Dean Jagger. Dean yeah, Jagger, yeah, Jagger. who was in things like Game of Death. Exactly, yeah. I was going to say, that's the, really, if you talk to me about Dean Jagger, I'm yeah. like, Game of Death. Yeah, he was in 12 O'Clock High, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. excellent uh, movie, but, but Vera Ellen, she was, there, there was a long rumor that she always wore outfits with a high neck, and mm-hmm. they had said because she her um, her neck had been ravaged by anorexia. As her life went on, it's become so sad. Where she met, she was she married one of the Rothschilds, mm-hmm. had a child who died of SIDS at like three months. Oh wow! Yeah. And after yeah. that child died, she retreated from public life. Sure. And I love Vera Ellen so much. She's one of those little character actors and dancers specifically. But right. this film, um, directed by Michael Curtis, who directed th- little unknown films like Casablanca. Captain Blood, <laughs> King Creole, We're in I've never Lincoln. heard of those. He directed Yankee Doodle Dandy. Uh, no, so, another film I've never heard of, strangely enough. <laughs> so it's this... Uh, what is this Yankee Doodle you speak yeah. of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it could be a musical, but I'm not really sure. So, But that brings up a good point, is that uh, we all know those films. You know, that's something that's weird. It's like we know uh, contemporary films... We know all about them. We know the director. We know Ridley Scott made this. Yeah, you know, yeah blah, yeah. blah, blah. Oh, directors but so like often that back in the day. Back then, yeah, they yeah, were yeah. like technicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And absolutely. Seen, seen primarily as a vehicle for Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby at this time was so huge, they had to change a lyric. I have it written down here where uh, in, gee, I wish I was back in the Army, the lyric is yeah. Jolson, Hope, and Benny all for free. Originally, yeah. the, the song was written... Um, Crosby, Hope, and Benny. Oh, really? So uh-huh. they had to change that because Bing Crosby was iconic at this point. Right. Danny Kaye was iconic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the first fi- sh- uh, uh, film shot in VistaVision, I want to say. Okay. VistaVision, deeply saturated in color. Right, right, right. Um, songs by Irving Berlin. By the way, Danny Kaye, I don't know much about him as far as his personal life, mm-hmm. but... Is there a more likable guy on film? Yeah, yeah. You know, than than that guy. And for many, for me anyway, he's kind of synonymous with growing up. This this movie, Hans Christian Andersen. Right. You know, and then later you find things like like. Did he play in? Uh, 
The Music Man? No, that no. was Robert Preston. Oh, Robert. Okay. Um, but you know, I I could go on and on and on about this film. Every single piece, other than I think there's a song called Choreography that that you don't. Yeah, yeah it kind of fumbles. Yeah, yeah. But the rollout on this thing is is super cool. It's it's pretty to look at. Everyone oh yeah, it's really nice. It was Vista Vision. I think it was the first yeah, time yeah, Par- yeah, yeah, Paramount, yeah. I believe, was Vista Vision. Yeah, used Vista Vision. I know that that every Christmas, this is part of your ritual. Is yeah, the, I used to strap my kids into chairs, like <laughs> Clockwork Orange style. You're gonna watch this movie, and we we would watch this movie just because. Again, it's it's for me anyway. It's such a family thing, and no one you can't grumble your way or bitch your way through this. I mean, right. yeah, there's there's things that don't make sense, but that's how I that's how I am with the Clockwork Orange. It's like, <laughs> God damn it, you're gonna watch this, and you're gonna feel good. Yeah. So so I, I, I forget too. I mean, so the movie's called White Christmas, and that's a famous Irving Berlin song. Yeah, but it wasn't right. But the song was used in a previous uh, Crosby three times. movie. Three times. Yeah, so it was, it was going in, my way in there. No, no. Uh, the other Bells two, of St. Mary's. Uh, Bing Crosby sang White Christmas in Holiday Inn in 1942. Holiday Inn, okay. And a movie called Blue Skies. Oh, Blue Skies, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because um, I was thinking it was some other movies, not those two. But in little, it, yeah, interesting. Little things in there, when Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye do the sister song, Yeah. Um, com- that scene was completely improvised. That, um, wow. They were just fucking around on set, and the director goes, wait, 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 film that. When you see Danny Kaye swat him in the gut with the big feather thing, yeah. and, and Bing Crosby starts to laugh, that's Bing Crosby's really laughing. That's, that's um, his uh, Carol Burnett... Uh, breaking moment. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but there's... You know, I, I got pages here on this thing, uh, but I'm just going to close by saying, if you haven't seen it, like... Do me the personal favor and, and watch this movie. Dude, I, think I know really like I it. know you're a fiction writer. Yes, but you should totally write a book about this movie. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the other thing too that I liked about it was even though it's 1954, when you listen to the dialogue, especially in the beginning when they're talking about their general and, and just just some of the things about Bing Crosby's character being alone and mm-hmm. that's why he works so hard and works all the time. It kind of resonated with me. I, it, it didn't seem like corny dialogue because a lot of a lot of times, especially modern audiences, they there are a lot of people who just don't like old films. They just think they're corny, mm-hmm. right. right? And, well, and are, are not sophisticated. Well, and, a lot of people yeah. are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of the dialogue yeah. that they the words they put into his, uh, this character uh, Bob Wallace's mouth right. were yeah. the the screenwriters were cribbing from how Bing Crosby really talked. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. A, one of my favorite lines, and I use it to this day because I'm, I'm now an old man. When he looks at something and he pulls his hand back to read it, yeah. he goes, "Ooh, I'm starting to play a little trombone." Yeah, 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 yeah. That was great. I like that. Yeah, I, I, I gonna, love yeah, that. I'm going to rip that off myself. When I heard <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I'm just waiting for the time I'm old enough to go. Ooh, I'm going to. Well, he, oh, well. See, my problem is, is that. Like for me, that was like a year ago. <laughs> now I, now yeah. it's like um, I'm, I'm looking at the horizon. But I tell you, there's also a young George, um, uh, what's his name, Chakiris? Yeah, Chikiris? who was in West Side, West Side Story. Story. Yeah, yes. he's 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 a background dancer. And I saw him like, oh hey, yeah. I want to say I want to say he's thing. the guy. If if I remember this right, I, this isn't in my notes, but he's the guy that dances with Vera Ellen in Abraham. 
Uh, yeah, it's towards it's towards oh, yeah, the yeah. end of the movie, yeah. and there's like four or five sidebar guy it, guy, uh, guy dancers, and yeah, he's all, surrounded by all these guys. Well, right. there's also he's also in the I know he's in the minstrel number, but um, uh, uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> you old man, you tromboning it the now. Another tromboning aspect. Um, <laughs> shit. Yeah, but, he, but they really pause in his face in that you know, scene with yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. They, 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 he, oh, he, out of all the guys, he gets, the, he gets, the, he gets the look. So if you, the listen, coming back. if you listen to Abraham in the chorus, if you listen to the music, they drop into um, Carl Stallings' clockwork. That rushed it in La Villa Strange. Yeah, fuck yeah. So... And it, it's so it's immediately recognizable, and they immediately j- jut off of it. Look that up on YouTube. It's fucking amazing. Anyway, awesome. go ahead. Go to your next film. I, otherwise, I, I will talk about this for the rest of the day. It's a fantastic movie. It's a, it's a fantastic a movie. movie. Definitely it's worth this everybody is, seeing. This is a window into the soft side of You know what's funny Tom. is like every time you talk about um, every time you talk about that movie, I always think of the red shoes. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it's because it's the first musical in color that I saw. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'll be honest. A lot of it is tied up into that, like, when I was a young child, and this is what I'll close on, when I was a young kid and I was look young boy looking for role models and stuff like right. that, and I saw the whole interaction between Bing Crosby and Rose, uh, Rosemary Clooney about the... Night on the White Horse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was really resonated. Anyway. You know, another thing, too, I'd like to... wuss. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> the other thing I'd like to throw in, too, is... And, again, I'm, I'm probably biased on this, but the, the early to mid-20th century in Hollywood produced some of the greatest entertainers that you're ever going to see. And oh, I, I do not think Hollywood will ever match the people that populated I, these I movies only, back in the day. I think they're there, but they they immediately get corporatized and then well, they lose any of that. I, I, you know, uh, actors in other countries are often, you know, like, like I, here's a, a dumb and simple example. Uh, Jackie Chan is not only an actor, but he's a singer. Yeah. And, and and they're cultivated yeah. like they used to be. Yeah, exactly. And that used to be the way it was in the United States. Is, is that you know you were you look you were a performer. Mm-hmm. So you were an actor. You were a singer. You were a dancer. You had to know all this yeah. shit. By the right? way, Jackie Chan and Annie DeFranco singing the <laughs> Nat King Cole song <laughs> is so good. But remember too, many of these people came from the stage or came from vaudeville right, right? so exactly. they so they perfected their acts they weren't really hollywood actors per se but they were brought into hollywood and that's the thing because where's vaudeville today there is no vaudeville today there is right. you because don't have these things that you had back then exactly at that time there was no such thing as a hollywood actor you, you were know, just a performer i would argue yeah. things like the voice and um yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd be wrong talent. Our, our, our vaudeville. It's our, <laughs> it's our modern sort of take on that. It's you know a variety what, show. You know what I'm... What, what strikes me whenever you, you talk about things like The Voice and America's Got Cat Talent and all that. No, I don't watch them. Well, no, I don't watch them. And I can't... I completely disagree, but go ahead, Lenny. Well, well, I was going to say is that, uh, you know, that people are getting... Okay, so that 
the dude who sings for Stone Temple Pilots now. Oh yeah, he was yeah. on that show. Came from one of those yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's happened a few times. You know, agree. And, uh, and, Journey comes to mind. Yeah. Oh, dude. That, that yeah. Go ahead. That, that, but anyway. That nuts. Okay. Yeah. But it's All not right. the same as the March Brothers going around the country perfecting their act before they go in to make a movie. Right. right. Because I mean, these, the, these people don't exist anymore. Right. For a lot of reasons. It's a show in and of itself. Well, it's right? just the world's a different place, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So my next movie, um, for for me... Christmas movies meant a lot of different things. And, uh, of course, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and all the, the Rankin-Bass stuff, which we already talked about, um, were huge. Um, this is not a Christmas movie, but it's a movie that I always relate to Christmas, and that is Fantasia. Hmm. Uh, 1940 hmm. from, from Disney. Um and, you know, like we were talking about before we got on the mic, um, the Nutcracker Suite is really the only, I don't know, Christmassy thing there as far as uh, a, a, a traditional connection, mm-hmm. even though the Nutcracker is not in that Nutcracker at, uh, is kind of synonymous with Christmas. It, right. Yeah, it, gets, uh, it is. It gets, yeah. You see... Productions getting propped up all over. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Tchaikovsky, you know... He, Tchaikovsky's spread the news. Yeah, he... he that's right. <laughs> Roll over, Beethoven. <laughs> he knew shit. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, in particular, the uh, uh, Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy um, part of that segment and Waltz of the Flowers. Mm-hmm. Those two segments... Really, 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 really speak Christmas to me. Wow. Um, not because not on Bald Mountain. Well, uh, hold on. <laughs> Wait, hold on. We're getting there. Hold on. Uh, not because like it's it's inherently Christmas related, mm-hmm. but because it's full of magic. Sure. And Christmas to me means magic. Uh, yeah. Whether that means there's the soft side of language. Whether that <laughs> means believing in Santa Claus, sure. Whether no matter or what, Krampus. Yeah, exactly. It's all, exactly. It's all magic. Krampus. It is all magic. And in addition or to that, Krom. or Crom, or Crom. So praise Crom. Go ahead. In 1936, Walt Disney decided that uh, Mickey Mouse, in particular, needed a shot of adrenaline to increase his popularity. Mm-hmm. And so they started working on the Sorcerer's Apprentice. It, this was going to be its own separate thing. Oh, that's cool. Um, and as they went along, they realized they didn't have a whole, they didn't have a full feature uh, with the the Sorcerer's Apprentice and and you know the Sorcerer Yedsin mm-hmm. and, and all that. So it became a segment. And at the same time, he was wanting to do these interpretations of classical music. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything about this movie, to me, screams Christmas. Wow. Well, in that... That's interesting. No, no, no. I think it's interesting. Well, Except for the racial stereotypes in the pastoral symphony section. Those were cut out, so stop it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just had to do that. They weren't there later. Um, Yeah, they weren't there uh, later. Later. (laughs) The Rite of Spring. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, 
which is notable mostly for the dinosaur segment, right? The dinosaur. How did, how did we end up with dinosaurs? <laughs> Hold on. The oh, wait, is King Kong coming around the corner at some point? God. Yes, there's our King Kong reference. Willis O'Brien you, sir. did the animation. On that. <laughs> right. The Rite of Spring, um, is, you know, we talk about these guys all the time, and, and I consider myself one of them. There's this whole generation of monster kids. Sure. The kids that grew up on the, um, you know, famous monsters of Filmland and, and, and these films of the 50s and... Ray Harryhausen. So mm-hmm. far, yeah, so on and so on. And the Rite of Spring, or the Rites of Spring segment in that movie is exactly I remember that. at the time like, it came out, it was like, it's all anyone talked about. It, it was it was so cutting edge and so, like, out of the box. Like, here was right. real, like, cinema. It's like, it holy shit. Yeah, it's yeah. like... I mean, they had it before with things like These Snow things, White and whatever else, but this was really kind of the pinnacle. 1940. Yeah. 1940. This was kind of the pinnacle, I think, of Disney animation. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. Then yeah, that's, the, uh, that's true. Then we had the Pastoral Symphony by Beethoven, um, where we had all these centaurs mm-hmm. and Pegasus and Zeus and Bacchus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's the one with the mushrooms? Okay, so that's part of uh, that's part of the Nutcracker Suite. Okay. Uh, that's a part of. I always remember those. It's a little segment called the Chinese Dance. Yeah, and uh, it's Not a little racist raced yeah. at all. <laughs> it's it's totally racist. But then again, to but be it fair, was 1940. The, it was nineteen forty, and yeah. this is this is yeah. a, this is a studio that gave us Song of the South, right? Because that also had the Arabian Dance and the yeah. Russian Dance, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh um, man. <laughs> you just imagine Walt ranting, um, you know, like those China people. <laughs> Go ahead. And uh, so we already talked about Sorcerer's Apprentice and how that had got inserted mm-hmm. in there, which to me is the most incorrect. Uh, it should not be there. Sure. It, it, Clearly, it's like we had this. Yeah, exactly. And, it's like yeah. 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 Um, well, well, why do you think it should not be there? I think it should not be there because it is. Uh, a, it's a Disney character that's already established. Yeah, I think um, also tonally it's different. It is tonally different. Yeah, although not totally, but keeping tonally. keeping with the Langley version of Christmas, it is fucking dark, man. Yeah, those fucking brooms are like they, <laughs> they are not gonna ah uh, Christmas when the walls start to bleed. Ah, uh, dude, that's <laughs> that's what Christmas means to me. Yeah. Um, Dance of the Hours makes total sense because it's all fun animals mm-hmm. and, you know, it's like the hippo and the and the alligator are, are you know, rocking out. And that that totally gets it. But for me, the, the thing that makes this a Christmas movie is Night on Bald Mountain. Oh, there you go. Because Night on Bald Nothing Mountain. Nothing says Christmas like demons. Man. Chernabog? Mm-hmm. That fucking demon? Yeah. It's like, it's beautiful. Did you know that... The way you're holding that book, it's like you're a preacher. Oh, my God. Ranting. It's like, I, I want to tell you. <laughs> I, I, I want to start thumping it with my hand. <laughs> did you know that they hired Bella Lugosi to come in and do presses? Yeah, I did know this. Yeah. Yeah. For Chernabog. Because 90% of Bella Lugosi's acting was those was poses. Was like poses, yeah, right? Yeah, it yeah. was like, yeah, yeah it was yeah, like yeah. him like, doing, doing the thing. He did a good Jesus, too. 
Bella. Oh my God. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was his, really good. His Go Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> For me, Christmas because it takes place in the dead of winter has always meant some kind of dark magic. Okay. The the trees are all skeletons. Mm-hmm. The the earth is dead. You know, everything's mm-hmm. gone into um, the state of. Uh, uh, hibernation. hibernation. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I yeah. wanted to say, like, suspended animation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, all the frogs are like, they're still alive, but mm, they're, they're frozen chilling. in the freaking water. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are totally chill. Such too. an idiot. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so, a couple things about, uh, about this movie, really quick. This is an effects animators uh, showcase. Mm-hmm. Um, they had never, up to this point, gotten the opportunity to do what they do best. And that is do highlights mm-hmm. and water and smoke and fire and all these different things. And it, I, I, I wish I could tell you why this movie uh, means... Well, clearly. I mean, you know... Christmas to me. Yeah, Christmas is about magic. Sure, okay. And this whole entire movie is about magic, right? Uh-huh. Uh uh, uh, real quick note: uh, When this first was released in theaters, this was the first attempt to do like a stereo sound system in theaters. It was called Fanta Sound. <laughs> um, they bought a whole bunch of electronic oscillators, whatever the fuck that is, um, from a new company called Hewlett Packard oh. <laughs> in <laughs> 1940. <laughs> I find that That's fascinating. Awesome. But anyway, yeah. that's my second uh, there you Christmas go. movie. There you is. go. And Brian, you, you haven't said much. <laughs> no, well, uh, you know, I, I the movie, these are these are your guys' picks, so I think you should talk about them, and you know, I'll jump in. But I, I think we would be remiss. I will mention this as a classical uh, music fan. The music in this movie is conducted by Leopold Stokowski. Absolutely. And and he um, is, he's probably most famous for being in this movie, but he was also really well known for. Um, uh, being having a long association with the Philadelphia Orchestra, sure. uh, which uh, later Eugene Ormandy would direct uh, or conduct. Um, but the one thing who I wanted to say the, about... Who did the actual instrumentation for this? Uh, the orchestra in this film? Yeah. Uh, I, that I don't know. Is it the Los Angeles Philharmonic? No, no, no. It was the Philadelphia. Yeah. Philadelphia. Oh, it was Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. I know he had an association, but I did not know that he used that orchestra he in this did. film. Whenever I hear okay. that name, I think of Bugs Bunny, Leopold, Leopold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I'll say just as a sidebar is that uh, Stokowski was the conductor of the first stereo recording of Gustav Holst's The Planets. Oh, Although he yeah, conducted yeah. it with the Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra in 1956, and that's on the EMI label. And if you're a fan of the planets, uh, there's a number of the recordings that I really like, but Stokowski's stereo version is really good. So if you ever wanted to pick that up, if you're a classical music fan, Vanessa, Vanessa um, it's May a way to does go. some some cool shit with that She's too. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brian, you're next. Okay, so once again, I'm I'm going with a traditional movie. Um, but uh, this is one I've always loved ever since I was a little kid. It, it kind of tugs at the old heartstrings for me. It still does, even as an adult. And that is uh, Miracle on 34th Street, um, mm. uh, released in 1947, I believe. And um, it stars Edmund Gwynn. Uh, he plays Chris Kringle. It has the, Maureen O'Hara in it. One of the who, best, dude, the best Santa Claus on a- Absolutely. 
Go ahead. Yeah, he's yeah he's excellent. It has Maureen O'Hara in it, and I'm, I love Maureen O'Hara. Uh, mm-hmm. She's one of my favorites. John Payne um, plays uh, uh, her beau, and then a very young Natalie Wood who plays uh, uh, her daughter. And just just briefly, the the story is that Edmund Gwynn, is he or is he not really Santa Claus? And mm-hmm. that's what they spot, uh, postulate in the film. And he sees a Santa Claus during the Macy's Day Parade. And Macy's is used in this movie, the, the Macy's and Gimbel's, as competitors, which was kind of unique. They didn't have made-up store names. Um, he sees a guy who is Santa Claus who's basically drunk, and he's disgraceful to him. And so he admonishes him, him admonishes him. And then Maureen O'Hara um, decides to like, okay, we will we'll put you in as Santa Claus. So he becomes the store Santa at Macy's, and he becomes very lovable, and people really like him, and he does a lot of different things. He'll even recommend to people who are at Macy's that, hey, you, you can get a cheaper version of this toy over at Gimbel's, mm. right? So he, he does all these things that are uh, running against the uh, the grain of, of what you should be doing as Santa Claus promoting Macy's products, but it be- becomes big for Macy's. People start to really love this guy, and he starts to get a, a really big following. And one of the side stories is that Maureen O'Hara she's a, she's divorced, and she had um, uh, uh, she has a little daughter, and, and she's kind of raised her to like you know don't believe in fairy tales, don't believe in fantasy. Santa Claus is not real, and so when um, uh, John Payne, who's, who's who's her boyfriend. He doesn't like it. He's like, no, you should, you should teach her to l- like these things. And so, delude her. Yeah, yeah, you should delude her. Yeah. So you're destroying the Christmas spirit of this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but uh, so he brings Natalie Wood to see this Santa, and and she tugs on his beard, and it's real, and and she sees things that he does that just kind of astound her. And one, I think one of the more moving points in the movie is that this woman brings in. I think it's Dutch. They're speaking Dutch, and she doesn't, she doesn't speak English. So she, so so Chris Kringle starts speaking Dutch to her, and it's it's like wow, but Natalie Wood's kind of blown away by this. So the film goes on, and eventually, when it comes down to people start to question him: Is he crazy? You know, this guy really thinks he's Santa Claus. That can't be. And then it ends on a big trial, like they're trying to mm. see if this guy is insane or not insane. Right. And um, uh, you know, I won't spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but. But, uh, but it insane. all turns out well. <laughs> he's like he's an insane knife wielding Santa who's totally uh, you In know long Christmas out. years. <laughs> yeah, he's but, one uh, of the um, escaped uh, guys from Rare Exports. <laughs> yes, you know, he was in Rare Exports later. But but it has all the things that we kind of talk about about the Christmas spirit, about how it kind of tugs at your heartstrings, how it kind of just it turns out well. I mean, one of the things that I liked in the movie was how they how they just played out uh, uh that they they just didn't go for just the obvious they they would do things that I I liked how they would resolve it like Natalie Wood's character she asked Santa for a house and uh um Santa's like hey or Chris Kringle's like you know I'll see what I can do and at the end of the movie she does get her house but it's because um uh, Her mother is killed in a car accident. Oh, jeez. I like how you guys are just raining on my beautiful Santa Claus <laughs> uh, Christmas parade. But okay, all right. Go ahead. But, um, but they get it because they, John Payne takes Maureen O'Hara. They go down a wrong street, and they see a house for sale. Yeah. And, and so they, 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 buy the, they buy the house, and, and John Payne's kind of congratulating himself for how he handled the Santa case and everything, and they realize 
that there's uh, Chris Kringle's cane is in the house. Yeah. Right. So it's just a very subtle thing. Right. And it's yeah. it's it's just it's just a really well made movie a, that works very well. It's a lot like the monkey's paw. God, <laughs> man, you guys are incorrigible. Uh, in that, in that, you get what you want, but you don't get it the way exactly you that you were thinking. Yes, you were but going it doesn't to. turn out poorly for you. Right, That's right, right. Really right, right. But a, a couple of quick notes on it. Um, interestingly enough, the the film was uh, released during the summer uh, of nineteen eighty four. Yeah, the summer of nineteen eighty four. The summer of forty two. Yeah. Um, because Daryl F. Zanuck, who was head of 20th Century Fox, believed that more people like to go to movies during, uh, you know, the summertime when the things are when things are nicer. Right. So it wasn't a Christmas release, but the film is considered one of the great films of all time. Yeah. Um, it also won an Academy Award for uh, Best Supporting Actor, which was Edmund Gwynn, and it won for Best Screenplay. And something that I, I don't think they used to have as a um, category then they don't have anymore, but it's called Best Motion Picture Story. Um, so, so it won those three Academy Awards, and it was nominated for Best Picture, but it uh, lost to Gentleman's Agreement, which was a Gregory Peck movie. Huh. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I just think that that movie also embodies the Christmas spirit is how sure. I look at it. Oh, absolutely. And I have to admit, um, as you can tell anybody listening to this podcast, you have two guys who are just mean-spirited. And one guy who still holds that Christmas spirit yeah. true. They re, they they tried to remake it, right? With the oh, they've oh, remade it several been, times. Yeah, yeah. kind of yeah. like a Christmas Carol. It's been done oh, several sure. times. Yeah. I remember one with the, with the uh, Matilda girl. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That kid. Yeah, that kid. That kid. <laughs> who, I think you're right. Who this probably has three kids now. now over. Dead. <laughs> um, but Langley Blangley said something which I I think. Again, it kind of—it's it's true, and it, but it also shows my bias. One of the one of the reasons why I like older films is that they have magic that modern films lack. Mm-hmm. It's true. Even though even though I love modern movies, and I'm not one of those guys who say, like, "Oh, you know, the, the the Hollywood's no longer as good as it used to be." I mean, you can argue that one way or the other. I still think there's a lot of great films that come out. But when you watch an old black and white film with all these old stars, there's just a sense of magic. If you watch White Christmas, there's just a sense of magic. If you watch Fantasia, there's a sense of magic. These films possess things that in our more cynical, sardonic, internet age, just, it's, it's just people. I mean, if these films come out now, well, people are going to slam them for being too sentimental. Right, exactly. I also think and that's that they, the thing that just is annoying to me yeah. for modern, modern, modern times. Modern films, they mistake this sort of um, spirit uh, for schmaltz. And right. they load yeah. on the schmaltz. Yeah. And, uh, 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 you know, uh, they, they just think that they can put certain things on it and becomes a, it becomes a Christmas. You film. know, I mean... Hallmark Channel is full of a nonsense. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, um, it speaks to, it speaks to a loss of innocence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I uh, think so. There's the other thing that's kind of a quick sidebar, too, on this movie, that many people enjoy the movie when it came out, but there was a Catholic organization who couldn't give it an excellent rating. They gave it a B rating, I think I read somewhere, primarily be- because Maureen O'Hara was a divorcee. <laughs> and I just thought, like, how silly. Are, you're missing the whole point of this movie, but okay. What's funny is when you said that, I go, wow, that's really progressive, you know, woman. And I was expecting you to say that her husband had been killed in the war or something like that. Right, right. But they just didn't she like that she was divorced. Yeah. Man, Marino O'Hara was the shit. She was the shit. Yeah. Oh, she Beautiful, was the bomb. Smart. Yeah. Oh yeah. Feisty yeah. as fuck. Yeah. 
Right on. Yeah, I enjoy this movie. It's one of those ones when it comes on TV, you don't go, man, and turn it. You, right. you go, eh, I'll <laughs> stick uh, around for a while. Unlike it's one of Get off life. my TV! I just had a discussion with this last night with a guy I, that I, I work with that uh, about It's a Wonderful Life. I really hate It's a Wonderful Life. And maybe it's because it's been so shoveled at me it's, for it's, so many years. I'm sure it is. It's like the reason why I hate the Eagles. Because if I hear fucking Hotel California one more fucking time, I'm sh- it's a fine song, but god damn it, stop. Yeah. You know. okay. Well, the, the thing that's funny, though, about... Because uh, I, I like It's a Wonderful Life. I think it's a great movie. But, it's a good but movie. It's it wasn't popular. I mean, it was not popular at the when time. it came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just wasn't popular. It did not do well. Yeah. It was the first movie for James Stewart back from World War II and Frank Capra. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and I think in some ways it resonates a little bit because... You know, Stewart had gone through a lot of crap in World yeah. War II. Right, right. And here he's back, and he's playing a kind of a, a poor guy who's kind of broken down, and and it is kind of a dark movie in many ways. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I there we I, go. We're I coming back it. to this. Yeah, I get so it. So you guys should like it. <laughs> I I don't dislike it. It's just like I've seen it a yeah, that's a the million thing. times. Yeah, like yeah, stop. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what it is. But yeah. but you know they but every year they used to broadcast. Uh, you know uh, uh, the Wizard of Oz, and that was something that was kind of if you and I, I'm using this because I I love that movie too, but I don't right. you know it's it's such a great movie. It's like no, nah, I don't really think it's being shoved it. down my well, here, throat. Well, here's here's the, okay, so when it came to this show, the Wizard of Oz was one of the movies I was considering because it was it was the Christmas thing. To watch. I watched it was always year. on because it yeah. was a family film. Yeah, you know and, they're doing and, the same well, thing. Well, I remember that was that was shown during Easter. No, no, no. It was a Christmas thing. Uh, Easter was always the Ten Commandments. They're always doing. No, East, yes, Easter was the Ten Commandments, but uh, also I, I was pretty sure it was that one. You say it was Christmas? It was. Yeah, it was I remember. I remember movie. both actually. So okay. you know, whatever. Uh, but they're they're doing the same thing now with the Christmas story. Just right. Show, here's here it is for like, 24 hours. We're doing 24 hours of the Christmas. Yeah. Somebody actually is yeah. doing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. T- like, TNT or one of those off channels has been yeah. doing it for years. And I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong, but like, yeah. the the way to make you start to yeah. not want to see something is like show it over and over and over and over again. Absolutely. Yeah, but you can always just. I mean, that's true. But I mean, oh look, you know, they're they're. Doing 24 hours of a Christmas story. Well, I I'm, I I like the movie, but I'm not going to watch it. I mean, sure. that's the thing is I don't it just you just have to turn the channel. I think right. it's no, also, that's true. But it's it, also the thing people put on while they're cooking the turkey and that kind of thing. Right. You know, cooking their meal yeah. and doing their presents yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I get that's it. one of those movies that like I do adore. Mm-hmm. You know, but I feel like you know I, there's no more I can get from it. Yeah. I hear that they just redid it for a musical on NBC or some what? shit, and they said it was terrible. I bet. Yeah, it's yeah. Not yeah that just, they just, um, um, I, can, <clears throat> I can just picture the song right now, you know, the song and dance number, Fragile. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the thing, it's a musical, it's not, it's not a, it's not a stage production of the movie, well, which is not a musical. Well, the musical has been playing. Uh, in theaters on Broadway, I want to say. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and then so I mean, now they I, just did it. So it reminded me uh, because of the voiceover. It reminded me of the Waltz. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it's well, yeah, it's set in a simpler time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Langley, you're right. I just looked it up. The uh, the 1959 to 19. 19- 62 broadcasts of a Wizard of Oz were between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah. Mm, that makes sense. Sure. It's a family thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, speaking of family, 
Uh, I'm going to move on to, the, to my film, which yeah. is not nearly as uh, Christmassy. Uh, Christmassy as you, one might think. Um, it's a 2003 animation, anima- Japanese animation film called Tokyo Godfathers. It's directed by Satoshi Ken, who did Millennium Actress, Paprika, which we mentioned, I mentioned right. last week, Perfect yeah. Blue. Um, it's set in, in, a, in a city on Christmas where uh, on Christmas Eve, three people, a middle-aged alcoholic named Jin, a runaway girl named Miyuki, and a character named Hana, who we later learn is an aging um, drag queen. Uh, and that's their use, their, their use of that word, not mine. Um, uh, but they, in the midst of them being homeless on the streets of, of I want to say, Tokyo because of the title, um, they find a baby in the trash. Um and they go, the rest of the movie is them trying to find its parents. It's based on, loosely based on a film called Three Godfathers, uh, uh, first made in 1916, and then another, uh, it was made in 1936, which are westerns. It involves some cowboys coming upon a stagecoach that's been ransacked by Indians, and everyone's dead, and they find a baby. And they Wasn't Sean Wayne in that second one? I want to say, I yeah. I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That that feels right, um, but it's 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 a film that is animated, and I've all, long said that within seconds you forget that it's animated. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it, it's it's one of those films I think that that we were talking about that while it is peripherally it's set at Christmas, but it has this Christmas spirit of right of redemption and family and and. Um, that uh, that really always to me sort of connects with the holiday. Sure. Um, uh, let's see. What I'm I'm not going to interject much during this portion because I've not seen it. Okay, you should. It's on. You can find it on. I found it on um, using Google. That there there is a way place. That I forget what it's called. It's not Vimeo, but it's one of those places. Okay, okay. And you can find it, and it's great. It's it's. Uh, yeah, it's anime. very moving. Is it very a feature? Moving. Hmm? Is it a feature? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like an hour and a half. Yeah, cool. You you've cool. seen it, Brian? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what amazed me about the movie? Well, what amazes me in general about Japanese anime? Every time I see a movie like this, I'm always struck by the fact like. Yeah, this is not animation. This is like a film. This is like a live-action movie that right. just has to be animated. And I was impressed with the characterizations mm-hmm. of, of the of the three uh, principal characters in this movie and their backgrounds and their stories. And uh, and and uh, the, the dialogue is is, is well done. Uh, the action is well done. Uh, it's 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 a moving film. And and um, like I said, uh, you don't see that. Americans don't do this type of animation, right? Mm-hmm. It's anima- the, the animated movies that come out here are are almost always family oriented, um, and it's, it's it's unique to see uh, uh, these Japanese movies because they 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 it's not just they make a lot of movies that are not just for kids. But, right, right. But, this this I mentioned. I, I peripherally mentioned this film last week on, on our adult animation show, but uh, yeah, yeah, because this is clearly not for kids. No, and when you get down to that ending, which again I don't want to give away, but the ending's like, whoa, my gosh, you know, gosh, I mean, like, was that what? Right, Mm -hmm. I see these things going on at the end, and I'm like, you're not going to do that, are you? Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. and and it's just so it's surprising. That's one thing I liked about this movie. It's surprising as it as it moves along. Surprising, but does it does it leave you feeling good? Oh yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Absolutely. Oh, it it ends. It ends on a. 
it, it takes you into a kind of a dark place, but when you get to the end, you're going to feel good for a number of reasons. There you go. I agree with that. I completely agree with that. Cool. Um, um, it also, at its heart, is about how you don't have to be related to be family. You know, oh, these three absolutely. people that's are, important. They each have their own. They each have their own um, stories, mm-hmm. but they're together. Maybe you could be argued they're they're together because of their their plight as being homeless. Right. Yeah, but, and they don't really all get along either, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, which is what ha- I, you know, my experience. That's what that's family. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I love I both of these films I, uh, that I picked, pick, I, I picked them for a gr- good reason. I really, I really love this movie. And, I, and it's and one of those movies that I don't watch a lot because I want to come back to it every time and get that feeling as opposed to just going like, oh, here we are, we're Tokyo Godfathers again. You know right, what I mean? Yeah, 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 I want yeah. it to be special. Yeah, and I think Tom's point is well taken that within a few minutes of watching this movie, you really do forget it's animated because the characters are so well drawn and so well thought out that they feel real, mm-hmm. right? Even though they're sure. animated, they feel real to me, and that's very unique for me because usually I need a live-action movie to make me feel real about real characters. They they just do such an, a, a great job with it, and, and the, it does like some, when the transgendered ahead. character tells her story. Oh, it's yeah, oh my yeah. God, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so sad. Just and the, the sadness comes from a very real place about like yes. it's hard for me in the world. Yeah, it's always been hard for me in the world. And, uh, yeah, it just breaks my heart every time. I uh, mean, you learn like you learn a background on on her uh, as well. Agreed, agreed. So, um, yeah, well, I think those are all really good films. Are there any that we want to just sort of real quick name drop? I want to I want to do an honorable mention. Yeah. Um, for a R- ju- rare export. <laughs> Go ahead. No, the junkies. And I watched that movie. For oh you yeah, too, yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched that damn movie. Now we didn't even talk about it. Yeah, uh, we didn't talk about sorry. it. Sorry. Uh, the Junkies Christmas. This is um, a Tom Waits thing, right? No, it was uh, William. That's what it was. William S. Burroughs wrote a, a short story called The William Junkies Christmas. William S. Burroughs, Tom Waits. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, <laughs> um, in it appeared on a 1990, or, I'm sorry, 1989 collection um, called Interzone. And it was also, again, in 93, this is one recording that William S. Burroughs did of this little short thing that he, he, he wrote. Um, the 1993 one was called Spare Ass Annie and Other Tales. But in 1993, a uh, Nick Donkin and Melody McDaniel uh, made this short film uh, based on it. And it's a combination of stop-motion animation and puppets and stuff, but with William S. Burroughs doing the narration. Because <laughs> nothing uh, says Christmas like William S. Burroughs. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's a you know it's a junkie, and he finds this stash, and he's <laughs> really happy as a result of it. Sure. Yeah, you know, full of the Christmas spirit. <laughs> it, nothing says Christmas like dude, some horse. It's really, really good. You, you should out. definitely talk it. You should definitely see it. Uh, right, right. Uh, you, well, for me, I would just go, once again, traditional. Three three TV shows from back in the day when I was a kid. I think they still hold up well. Charlie Brown Christmas, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, and uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Sure. All three of those. It, it, man, there's something... Uh, I really love Rudolph because... It's stop motion. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's uh, great, and it gave us the, the Island of Misfit Toys. Yeah, uh, 
by the way, if you guys haven't checked out Tom's uh, Christmas story, I was actually going. How do I work this in? Yeah, go to my website. There's a there's a Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer Apocalypse Now mashup. Yeah, and it's great. It's, it's great. Uh, I don't know about great. It's but for some reason, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. I was just gonna say that. Man, it just like, yeah. It it really does a good job of stroking the heartstrings for me. I I, I don't know what it is, but it really does. Oh God! I mean, we did this whole episode on this stuff, but, uh, but a couple of films that come to mind immediately: Batman Returns, for me, is a Christmas movie. Sure. Um, uh, I just passed it. Uh, Nightmare Before Elm not Nightmare Before Elm Street. Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Elm Street. Nightmare Before Christmas is is both. It's one of those. It's great about that film is it's both a Halloween film and a Christmas. Film. Well, that's kind yeah, of yeah. that's kind of what I was trying to allude to is that you know we have Christmas or, or, or rather we have Halloween over here and we have Christmas over here and there's to me the time between those two things are magical mm-hmm. like like it's all mixed together you know um i'm gonna throw a couple uh, other you, go ahead brian have you guys done a have you guys done a spirit of halloween podcast before we did a halloween show once we back did, in a year we should, we should do ago. like do all the major holidays including yom kippur <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then yeah yeah all the film. boxer day movies <laughs> yeah uh, i want to let's, co- let's just cover them all <laughs> yeah yeah it'd be good two i want to also mention for some reason the first lethal weapon Screams Christmas to me. <laughs> okay, and I'm seeing it starting to get picked up on online, um, wow. and that is Bob Clark's Black Christmas as a Christmas movie with uh, Olivia Hussey and Claire Duvalier huh. about a, a serial killer that invades a, a sorority. Um, it was remade terribly, but Bob Clark's movie is really good, and it, it's so if you like your Christmas movies a little dark. This is a. This is you a like your one. Christmas served up with blood. <laughs> yeah, check check out Jack Frost, not the Michael Keaton Jack Frost. Yeah, like Jack Frost does things with a carrot you're going to regret. If you see that movie. That's all I can say. That's funny. Well, I think that's good. That's that's a good sampling, and, and that is uh, a good sampling. Yeah, choose choose Covers a lot of areas. We yeah. are going to take a break, and we are going to come back in just a minute, and we'll whip through news and stuff. Was the night before Christmas when all through the castle my monsters were having a yuletide hassle. The tree was all trimmed in ghoulish things like werewolf fangs and vampire wings. But they were up to no good. Didn't act like good monsters should. They found themselves a new prey. They planned to rob Santa's sleigh. They were making a list and checking it twice. Frankenstein wanted a shiny new trike. A new chain for Janusz, a brace for Igor's back. A speed shaver for Wolfman, a new cape for Drac. They were up to no good. Didn't act like good monsters should. They found themselves a new prey. They planned to rob Santa's sleigh. The mummy was to signal from the castle roof at the very first sound of a reindeer hoof. As Santa slid down the chimney wall, the zombies were to make off with sleigh and all. From beyond the moat, 
there arose such a clatter. I jumped to the window to see what was the matter. Like a bolt of lightning, it happened so quick. And there in our midst stood old Saint Nick. He began to dig down deep in his sack. And came up with the traction for Igor's back. Track caught his cape, Frankie's trike made him behave. Even Wolfman was happy, now he can shave. And all ended well. And Santa was really swell. No need to rob Santa's sack. Maybe next year he'll come back. So the children everywhere were spared the grief of losing their presence to a monster slave thief. Now the monsters love Santa and say they'll behave and never again rob sleighs or graves. Igor. And we're back. So, we're going to move on. Um, it's December, and usually a lot of people die in December, and this month is going to... There's no exception. No exception. So we're going to go through these really quick, because there's not a lot of big names, but I think they're important. <laughs> I always like when we do these, because there's always something that's said, like, that kind of detracts from uh, the, the, what we're doing here, but okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they died, but they weren't big, so we're going to go through them. No, no, no. Right, I think, huh? it's, I think they're, these are important they're to noble. be noticed. To be noticed. And, it, yes. and again, we, yeah. we, we talk a lot about this segment, about how it's... I think it's just important to, to mark... mark Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So first, we should just lead off with like, hey, here's some notable people that passed away this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Um, Terrence Beasley, um, an uh, actor who was in EastEnders. If he he was an older gentleman, Um, Keely Smith, singer and wife of Louis Prima. Right. As as most of our audience scratches their head over Louis Prima. (laughs) Um, uh, Industrial musician Zev. He was, at, he was in his 50s. Wow. Uh, we're going to go through a lot of these. David Dave Christensen, he was um, in a band called The Stabilizers. Okay. Um, I'm not familiar. Yeah, they're, 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 they're okay. Uh, let's see. Damn. Heather North, she was Daphne on Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, a, that was a surprising one. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, no, not that she passed, not, but just that it's like, oh yeah, it's like, a oh, person did that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Daphne wasn't actually Daphne. <laughs> <laughs> if we talked about last week, they're doing the Daphne Velma origin movie. Right, right. <laughs> um, a young, a guy named he was twenty-seven, Kim Jong Hyun. Uh, he was in a band called Shiny. He was twenty-seven. Took wow. his own life. Wow. Not to be confused with the leader of North Korea. Right. Right. right, right. Uh, Larry Harris, um, founder of Casablanca Records. Um, oh, Casablanca being Kiss's one. label. Right. And they did, I wonder if they did, um, no, that was RSO. They were like huge, especially yeah, in the 80s. I remember that, uh, that logo. The Layla logo, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dick Enberg, sportscaster uh, for ABC. Okay. He's one of those guys that's always was always on Wide World of Sports. Wait, was was he one of the the the, the agony of defeat guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he wasn't that guy, but, but he no, was no, he was on NBC. Those are ABC. <laughs> guys. Oh yeah, he was on NBC, yeah, not yeah, NBC. Yeah. I, I take that. You're you're absolutely right. Um, March Fong Yu. She was California Secretary of State from 1974 to 1994. When I yes, me growing up, well. she was a big. That was a big name. Yeah, because well, yeah. you grew up in California. In California. Yeah. Yes, as as I am still living here. Yes, so she's a big was a big name here. Mm-hmm. Is a big name. 
Um, Pam the Funks- Funkstress. She was a DJ for Prince and the Coup. And uh, oh, wow. really important DJ um, sure. on the level of Flash and those other guys. Right, right, right. And then finally, um, or actually not finally, uh, Bruce McCandless II. He was the first person to walk untethered in space. Oh, wow. He was, had, I want to say he was in the command module or something. Or something. Okay. Anyway. Um, and then fin- uh, two last ones, Gerald B. Greenberg. He, Oscar winning, Oscar, uh, Oscar winning film editor. He did French Connection, Apocalypse Now, Scarface. Yeah. And then just today, uh, a guy named Kent Damon, uh, Matt Damon's father, who had a long battle with cancer. Oh wow! And he mm. passed. So that's way more than we usually do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot of that's a lot of names. Yeah. Um, moving on to um, uh, some news with the release of and I, Brian, you're going to talk about this later. But um, uh, with the release of Last Jedi, fans are petitioning to have it removed from canon. <laughs> because <laughs> oh yeah, I, I've got something to say about this. Because they're sure, dopes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I definitely have something to say. Go I, ahead, I actually, God. I've actually had to battle people on this one, and it's it's annoying to me. But yes, we shall cover it later. <laughs> yeah, that one made me just go, man. You don't get to do that. <laughs> no, I, I have I have a reason why I think there's a pushback on this film, but I'll, I'll wait for later. Okay, we'll talk it's about. It's funny it. because every time a Star Wars movie comes out, I'm kind of like, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. And then everyone bitches. But and then no matter what they do. And then, <laughs> Well, I mean, the, well, the Force Awakens it, was well. Force Awakens was well received, but but um, this this one hasn't been. And again, I'm sorry. Uh, we'll talk about it later. But you right, go well, ahead, guys. I mean, it it has and hasn't been, depending on who you're talking to, <laughs> right? If you're talking to fans, well, it hasn't been. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's see. NBC for some reason in, in, for 2018 wants to revive The Office. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Without Steve Carell. Without John Krasinski, uh, without stop. it's like, oh, God. That's damn why it. commercial television uh, yeah. is, is dying. This is my favorite story of the week. Okay, so <laughs> there's a movie that was made in Hong Kong called China Salesman. Okay, it stars Steven Seagal and Mike Tyson. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. I remember this. There's yeah. an eight-minute fight scene <laughs> between. And remember when we, we 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 reviewed the trailer? It was all Steven Seagal punching, or Mike Tyson trying to punch Steven Seagal, who moves his head. Right. And inexplicably, there's glass there for him to break. <laughs> this is the part I love. The director, in an interview, said that they had to stop what they were doing, their plan for the shoot, and shoot the film in sequence, so Mike Tyson could follow the script. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. When they re- when they released a trailer, was it Seagal and Tyson, or was it just two walruses fighting over a fish? Because <laughs> I didn't see this trailer. Right? <laughs> it's, it's literally Tyson walking into a room with an AR-15 going, Nobody move! And he's blasting, oh, and then... Yeah, it's it's Steven Seagal. <laughs> I know, I know. And the he, man fascinates me, but my gosh, he's he's so bloated. <laughs> he's like so, he's like uh, yeah, he's like Marlon Brando with a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Marlon Brando with a black belt. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I I want to see this movie so much because you know it's just gonna be just so like. 
bad. Watching your dog shit on the carpet in slow motion. <laughs> Out of all these guys, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren, Steven Zagal is like, every movie's like a weird train wreck that you just gotta yeah. watch. Right? He's like, you just can't, you can't, all these, all the other movies you're like, yeah, I don't really care. But Zagal's like, like oh, what weird what? bullshit yeah. is he gonna do? By the way, I just, the, the, the Jean-Claude He's Van the Tommy Damme Wiseau of series? action movies. Uh-huh. That's what, that's yeah, what yeah, I'm saying yeah, now. Yeah, that's He's good. the Tommy Wiseau of action movies. You can't, you can't oh, turn hi, away. Oh, hi, Sensei. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hi. Oh, hi, Sensei. The Jean-Claude Van I did not kick his ass. I did not. Go ahead. The, the Jean-Claude Van Damme series? Ben Johnson, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. I hear. Oh, like, yeah, it's yeah. Dude, it's fucking Who awesome. knew that he'd come out smelling like a rose? Uh, well, you know, he did that movie, what was it? JCVD. And it was really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's... Which wasn't he, about electronics, by the way. No, no. <laughs> and he's, I think he's found his niche. It's like, I'm going to yeah. make fun of myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 If yeah. only Sad, if only Steven Seagal. Seagal. Could you imagine? He kind of did in Expendables too. Or yeah, well, he's a toll cool. Toll cools don't make fun of themselves. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, when I think about uh, deities from um, Tibet, you know, you don't think of a sense of humor. <laughs> so dumb. He's such, he's such a dope. I just don't understand. I, I just don't understand. He's. I, I hear he's writing a novel. Uh, okay. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, there was a story I heard where Dude. They, someone someone was waiting to speak to him, and he comes to he, and they made him wait for an hour. And Seagal comes out of this uh, this separate part of the, the hotel right. room where he was and he meditating. goes, "I just read the best script ever written." And someone's really who's it by? And he's all me. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, all right. Um, do you remember his restaurant? Steven Seagal's I remember his energy drink <laughs> and his wine and his blues record. <laughs> I, I remember his restaurant. Uh, he, he had a restaurant. Try the chops. In Chicago. Uh, yeah. Sweet and sour poke. And they had they had TVs all over the place. Yeah. And they showed it just a constant loop of his movies, which at that time was like, Three of us. <laughs> yeah. I where where I, was this restaurant? Chicago. Yeah, Chicago? Of oh, yeah. okay. of Is it still around? Oh, God, no. No. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Jeez, could you imagine? I don't think it lasted a year. Like it, Wow. It, I had the best restaurant in Japan. <laughs> I was the only yeah, white guy to own a restaurant in he's Japan. He's kind of like Donald Trump. And it's like He's such a... I, I, and what I don't does, get is what I don't get is, and, and I, I would love to. We're still trying to get Ron Bolicki yeah, on the show. I, 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 I want to ask Ron, that question so bad. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> is it just because it's steady work? Ron Bolicki is like he's very close in Dan and Asanto. In yeah, things. yeah, yeah. And yeah, I know who he is. He's such a gifted dude, and and, yeah. and he's out there throwing this fat fucking bastard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right. Follow the money. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um. This new Halloween thing that Jamie Lee Curtis is doing, uh, coming back on Danny McBride's writing. Right. They're bringing Nick Castle back to play the shape. Uh, yeah, I, okay. Who cares? I don't, yeah. But, I, I like, get you. This story is, like, done. He's got to be, like, Carpenter's age, and that's got to be in his 60s or so. Well, but, you know, in, in... The aged shape, you know. If you're, if he doesn't run fast because he shape, can't. You don't need to run, right? You, you, you just kind of creep. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I've known lots of old people who can creep really well. Yeah. <laughs> I um, saw a few last night. 
<laughs> um, uh, Netflix released Bright, this David Ayer directed right, Will Smith Will thing. Smith. Immediately they they bought a sequel, and then the reviews started coming out that are horribly mixed. Um, no, I liked that when I first saw it when it was called Alienation. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're they're saying. That's yeah, but they're also saying there are these weird racial overtones between like the fairies and the orcs and whatever else. Well, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, but a lot of times I think a lot of that stuff is is uh, mm-hmm. a, a, what's the word I'm for? analogy. Sure. For for things that are actually going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, alienation was that. Yeah. In exactly. And of itself. Same yeah. way District Nine was. Yeah. Um, in March, coming to Blu-ray, Clowns from Outer Space. Nice. Awesome. They're, they're, I don't know if they're going to be doing any special <coughs> features. I don't know if Heather's they, involved. They better. But I imagine there's lo- Chidos are still around. Well, Talk to them dude, about the that. Kyoto brothers are are they're gold. They're gold. Yeah. And like if you ever get a chance to meet those guys, definitely hang out with them. And right on. They're 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 gold. Uh, Judy Dench, Josh Gad, uh, doing a thing for Disney based on Artemis Fowl. Okay. Sure. I don't know. I don't know that we need any of this stuff I anymore. I but I think we've we pillaged young adult yeah. fiction. Enough. By the way, you know, to, when when it uh, in thinking about preparing for this show, there's a lot of movies, contemporary movies, that I think of whenever I think of Christmas, and the Harry Potter movies are yeah one of those. Well, they're running a marathon, I think, on. Family, ABC yeah, Family. I, don't ask me why, but yeah. they. Well, I think part of it is they were always released at Christmas. Well, that and there's inherent in the narrative is Christmas break. Right, this Christmas break. So, and, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. And it applies. It, it, it answers that Victorian thing we talked right. about. Uh, director Annie Muschietti confirms that when it comes to Blu-ray, it's going to be there's going to be an extended cut available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fun. Did you see the? Uh, did you see the, the, the thing that they did where Georgie, instead of getting pulled into the sewer, <laughs> they filmed a, they filmed a, I guess they just filmed it as a goof, where Georgie's like down there in the, and Pennywise is down there going, you know, here's your boat, and mm-hmm. he's like, thanks, and he just grabs the boat and <laughs> turns around and walks away. <laughs> and then the crowd looks really sad, yeah. yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Uh, this will be of interest to film uh, Italian film fans. Um, there's a Arrow is releasing a book called All the Colors of Sergio Martino, oh. which is a career-spanning um, uh, look at Martino and all of the films he did. Like That'd be cool. Torso. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Torso. Uh, Brian, um, you'll be excited about this, I think. Warner Brothers has plans for a live-action uh, version of The Question. I'm more excited that uh, Disney acquired uh, Fox. Yeah, well, we talked about that a couple. I know, of I'm sure you did. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. But I think the question is showing that there maybe superhero movies are growing up a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, we Logan, I think, was, yeah, you know, kind yeah, of demonstrated yeah, yeah. that. I but, also uh, heard that uh, Hugh Jackman says he would return to the role of Wolverine. Yeah, for, he did say for, that. For Marvel? For well, we're talking... Go ahead, I'm sorry. For musical. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest 
showman slash Wolverine. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I love that. I, I, Could you imagine? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I heard, you know, with this acquisition of, by Disney, I mean, there's all kinds of speculation that you might have a cameo appearance of, say, him as Wolverine in some mm-hmm. upcoming movie down the road. But, uh, well, they're also, I mean, go ahead. go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No. I was going to say, no, I, I mean, I, I'm excited for a lot of reasons. I mean, Disney's, the Fantastic Four is the number one reason why I'm excited about this acquisition, because Marvel needs to have those characters back in their stable. Sure. And, um, um, you know, so I'm a big fan of that. Well, but, as, but I'll, Go ahead. Uh, we said, as, when we talked about it, we the, I agree with all everything you're saying, but I also feel like it, it takes one more market off. For writers to sell stuff to. Well, I saw that like a but elaborate please. Of people eleven hundred I heard yeah. are getting laid off because of this yeah. merger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but that's always true of any type of, yeah. of merger. Brian, I mean, that's, acceptable losses. Well, but but I mean, but it is. I mean, my, it's just, so I get my fantastic four movie. Damage. Yeah. Hey, well, you're talking to the guy who told people when the 2015 version came out to not pay to see it, to sneak in to see it, or buy a ticket to another movie. To go see it because I didn't want uh, 20th Century Fox to make any money off of that movie because sure. they, they, they did such a terrible job. So yeah, I'm excited. Um, you know, people get laid off. Yeah, I mean that's good. I mean I, I don't want to make light of that, but any acquisition that always seems to be sure. what happens. You know, sure. I mean there's things to wonder about. I mean you know Disney now owns the Planet of the Apes. They own Avatar. Yeah. You know, it's, they, they own a lot of stuff now. They own The Simpsons. I mean X-Files. it's rather yeah. yeah, it's rather amazing what Dude. they own. One of the things uh, I, I mean, it hasn't been finalized. It still hasn't been finalized. The government has to give it its sure. blessing. But, well, right. God, but um, this government isn't going to say no to this bullshit. Yeah, yeah. The thing that I thought of was <laughs> was a, uh, uh, I mean, things like X Files, House of Secrets crossovers, yeah. and, and yeah. all of that stuff. It's it, it's exciting. There's, there's cool opportunities there, and at the same time, the question I have is is how much of this is just the novelty of going, hey, look, it's the it's that guy that yeah, wandered yeah, yeah. through the scene. Right. Because that happens a lot in the Marvel movies where it's just like, so-and-so's in this movie and then he, he yeah. wanders through a scene and then that's... Anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, with the inter- see, that's the thing. The internet just takes mundane things and turns them into extraordinary things and mm-hmm. and ultimately it's like, yeah, sure, if, if, if Hugh Jackman appears in Avengers 4 in 2019, great. I, I mean, it's, sure. not, it's not the... But, you know, fanboys and girls will be incredibly excited. And the Marvel Universe, I mean, when they got started in the 60s, that was always their thing. They, their universe was a, a tie-in. Things crossed over. Superheroes fought each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something the DC Universe did not do at that time. And if you look at the movies, Marvel's doing a good job of doing that with their movies. So I, they're, creating, they're almost creating that 60s buzz in, right. in, in the modern world. Right. Kevin Smith was talking about how Marvel has done really well with creating this interconnected universe. Right. But uh, yes. with things like Wonder Woman, you know, I think the way to, for DC to stand out is to zero in on, on, the, on these... Well, characters. that's correct. The, the, the DC, they call it DC Extended Universe, the film universe. Mm-hmm. They um, were going to do this kind of... Uh, 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 actually, say, uh, connected universe. Uh, and then they realize it's not really working for them. Mm-hmm. And so uh, now like, hey, you know what? We, we can just do standalone movies. Well, In a way, Wonder Woman is a standalone movie. Agreed. Right? It's well, not really part of that they're universe, doing, per se. Um, they, changed, they were going to do this Flash movie, and then they, they've now decided to do Flashpoint, even though Flashpoint got done on the TV series. 
Right. This, you do not yeah. know about any of this. No, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all silly. I mean, the the DC they're they're having they're having their troubles. I mean, Marvel's really laid things out and has done a good job on how they on how they wanted to uh, uh, Man, connect things. Until and, and somebody and DC does. DC's not really sure. They kind of start and go and start and go mm-hmm. and and I think that's hurt them. You know, they haven't. They haven't had a good plan, and and then changing the plan, so that's mm-hmm. that's never good. Yeah. And until they make a good man thing movie, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had well, you know, I think there's something like, uh, 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 you know, the Swamp Thing. I know they've done Swamp Thing, a couple yeah, of those. Well, and the man DC. thing's kind of yeah, yeah no, and man thing. That's like the Kmart. They would do. You know what? Here's what we we talked Kmart. about this. We, Kmart. Of, we talked about this. <laughs> Uh, Guillermo del Toro doing Swamp Thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. that would be good. I mean, you know, I, cool. I read a line uh, uh, that ties into this, which I thought was kind of most movie companies, or I mean, they want to they want to quote create franchises, right? Mm-hmm. Where you just keep making a bunch of movies. And the line was that the new model is a franchise is a, a series of movies where people want you to, to see the next. They want you to come in and see the next movie. A universe is where they never want you to leave. Yeah, that's right? a good line. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I agree so with that. it's like you want to create a universe way. where you come in and you got the toys and you got the comics and you got the movies and you right. you just think and do all that the whole time. Star Wars is a good example of that. Of the universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Franchise. Uh, um, by the way, the effects makeup community is fucking pissed. Oh yeah. Fucking livid. Uh, because the Shape of Water was not even put into nominated for paint, yeah, nominated for, for effects. Uh, That's a, so wrong for effects or or, or makeup. Uh, yeah, they're, like yeah, they're, they're they're the the creature in, of in the Black Lagoon, Lagoon gets laid. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have. You know, not... I read that uh, he wanted to do a Creature from the Black Lagoon that's, movie. Yeah, and that's he kept what he turned down. Yeah, it was, he wanted to do Return of the Creature, and that's what this is. And when the money fell through from the Dark Universe, he was just like. I can get my hands on twenty million, yeah, and just did it himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we we talked last week about Quentin Tarantino uh, wanting to do a Star Trek thing. Yeah, <laughs> I know that's fascinating. Well, that's moving forward. They just signed writer Mark L. Smith to come up with a script. This is the guy that wrote The Revenant. Yeah, doing mm. Star Trek. Yeah, I don't know. So man, Kirk I, gets attacked by a he a gets a giant raped bear. by a Gorn. <laughs> 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 Yeah, what was that? What was that? Uh, remember Spock when he, uh, they had a teddy bear? He had a teddy bear, but it was like a real bear, and they had a name for that creature that had fangs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That? Yeah, and I can't remember the name of that darn creature, but yeah, maybe Spock gets raped by that that his teddy bear. It's all the raping and the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Hopefully, there'll be some Christmas spirit there, but uh, yeah. we shall see. Um, let's see. This this is another one that's got me confused. Jim Henson Productions. Yeah, is producing a thing called Hug Chicken Pain, the panegyric of an anomalous child. That's easy for you to say. I'm guessing it's some kind of a puppet thing or some <laughs> sort of a Muppety puppety sure. thing. Sure. <laughs> Muppety puppety. We should write a song. Uh, Muppety yeah. puppety. Muppety puppety. Director is a guy named S. Craig Zoller, whose other films are Bone Tomahawk and Brawl and mm-hmm. Cell Block uh, 99. <laughs> Hey, don't, I, you know, i got to see that movie, Brawl and Cell Block 99. I hear that's really good. Vince Vaughn do does a great too. job. Who knew that Vince Vaughn was so fucking big? But my point is, Jim Henson Productions is going to do a puppet movie written, uh, directed by the guy who did Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
which I liked more than you, but but I did like yeah, it. Yeah. Bone Tomahawk is the shit, man. And that there's there's a lot of man, money that, in that that scene. That scene is really like, good. Whoa. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I just thought that was a weird, it is strange bedfellow thing. Odd. Um, IDW. Do you think Vince Vaughn will be in the next Steven Seagal movie? <laughs> Vince Vaughn. I mean, Jesus, he's so big. He's like six four, six five. He's a very. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's a very big guy. Uh, let's see. IDW Comic Company. Um, Joel Ansel, Joshua Jab, Jab, Wow, Jab Kuga is writing. Ted Galushi is drawing. Who he did Godzilla Race Against Time. Bubba Hotep prequel. Okay. Because I guess they can't. That's that seems to be the move now for filmmakers. Yeah. They they write a script, can't get it made for whatever reason, um, so you and so they do a comic version. Kevin Smith, uh, this week and next week's Smodcast, there he's reading um, Hit Somebody, the script for Hit Somebody. Oh wow! So there's that. And then finally, uh, New Year's Eve on Netflix, Dave Ship is releasing two two new comedy specials. Equanimity is one, and the bird revelation is the other. Okay, that's always good news. That's cool. Chappelle, I like Chappelle. He's, he he takes yeah, he's, he's good. He takes a good stand on try on balance, and he has a. I think he has. I've seen interviews with him. He has an interesting take on fame. Hmm. So there's that. Moving on to trailers, um, kind of a mixed bag this week. So we'll go through these. First up, 2047 Virtual Revolution sci-fi story reminded me a lot of like, hey, Blade Runner was cool. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, it strikes me as there's a new type of film where you don't have a lot of money, but you're still able to do all the cool computer mm-hmm. effects, and that's what this reminds yeah, me of. Yeah, there's not a lot of money going on here. Yeah, that was my take exactly. It looked like a low-budget sci-fi network film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's... Cool. It's got some cool shit in it, mm-hmm. you know. Is that fight scene in the forest or whatever the fuck's yeah, going yeah, on? Yeah, 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 yeah. That looks cool. It reminded me of kind of the um, like. Remember the Japanese film Versus? Yeah. That's more zombie related, but the idea that there's a lot of that kind of stuff flying around yeah. and things floating around. Well, I don't know much about it other than I, I think it's like in, in the year 2047, people are living their lives through virtual reality. That's that's why you see a lot of wacky things going on in that. In that mm, trailer, yeah, right, right. But I, I don't. It, it's, it's one of those things. There are trailers where I'm like, yeah, I want to see that. And there are trailers like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, that's kind of what that strikes yeah. me as. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, the bottom line is, would I ever add this to my queue? No, no. Um, if yeah, was, you, you'd kind of have to hear feedback. Yeah, right? if I, if it was on, I might watch it, or if I heard particularly yeah. good right, feedback. Right, right. Um, moving on. I, if it was 2047 virtual Sharknado, then you'd have me. But you know, <laughs> uh, moving on. Um, animated kind of post-apocalyptic thing called Bird Boy, the Forgotten Children. That looks cool. I'm in the bag. Yeah, I'm that looks so really interested cool. in this. It looks super dark and super dark and odd and, mm-hmm. and would have fit in really well with last week's show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that was released a couple of years ago. Was it really? Yeah, 20, it's a Spanish, uh, I guess, coming of okay, age Okay, so it's just the trailer. We're getting the trailer now because it's, it's being released, released wide in, or in America. Yeah. Okay, yeah, right. that makes sense. Um, but yeah, it very much would fit in with the last yeah. episode. Um, next up, docudrama regarding t- the Ted Kennedy Chappaquiddick thing called Chappaquiddick. I feel like I know everything I need to know about this, and I yeah. know... No yeah, I'm I'm surprised. Who, why make this film now? Who's interested in this topic? Who remembers this? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm just very surprised. It, and is this a film that's going to be released to theaters or or what I is it? I thought that it was. Go- I, my take on it was, yeah, 
theaters. Yeah, because it's like it seems like it'd be like a History Channel or any type yeah, made right. for TV movie. Especially with movie, the caliber right? of actors, there's a lot of nobodies. Yeah, Ed, you got some Ed good Helms actors in, in there. Is, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I was kind of like, this is an odd thing. Yeah, you know, but yeah, it is with the with the audience for things like LBJ and. Yeah, true story. Of... Why don't we go pick up on this one? Next one, Ardman film, Dude. Early Man. Oh, fuck, man. Okay, so, there's... <laughs> Dude, there, in the very beginning of this trailer, there's this T-Rex and uh, uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex fight. And, uh, I'm sorry, T-Rex and uh, Triceratops fight. And it is... They, it's, it's a, they do the exact same initial clash. Uh, the Ceratosaurus and the Triceratops from one million years BC. Look There's such an homage. Yeah, to it looks House good. I mean, it's it's kind of an Ardman film, it's but it totally looks great. An Ardman film. I I'm all over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I knew you would be. Oh, Brian, your your thoughts? I don't want to ruin a guy's parade, so I'll just pass. Oh wow! You're, are you a fan of the Ardman films? The I, it's, it's not so much. It's not so much that. It's just. Uh, it's just at some point you see a lot of these films over the years, and and I it just it didn't. It's like yeah, I just I didn't really have an interest in it. It's something wow. that maybe I'd, I'd catch on, uh, you know, cable or okay. maybe if people tell me it's good because I've seen some of this stuff. But I mean, as I'm watching it, I just eh, I I don't know. It just didn't hit me. It's because Brian I'm has not, no heart. <laughs> Wait a minute! I thought I accused you guys of that. <laughs> you reach into my chest and it's just a lump of coal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, but, you know, if you guys tell me, hey, you know, we saw it and it was fantastic, yeah, sure, I'm willing to read, I'm come back and revisit it. It's totally, like, it's it's an Ardman film, and you yeah. you either sign on or you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. and, I've, and I've seen some of those films, and I, I like them, so, but I, I don't know why. I'm watching this, like, eh, yeah. I, I've seen the caveman stuff done before, and yeah. it's like, eh. You know, maybe that's why, Maybe and that's maybe unfair, so. I love the idea that, that the Bronze Age guys are like French dudes. <laughs> that, that, that the English dudes can't stand. <laughs> the edge of stone is over. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking it'll it. probably do well, though, I mean, oh, yeah. despite what I'm saying. Absolutely. I'm sure it'll do well. It's, it's got a locked-in audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, entanglement. Uh, I, I wrote down, nerdy look at time, love, and quantum physics. Yeah. They're kind of low budget, but I think it's running like films like Primer. running... On sure. its ideas, I, uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's the it's it's a certain type of science fiction film. You know, you either have the science fiction film where it's all there's a lot of money on the screen mm-hmm. and you have all these cool things happening, or you have these we relationships. See the, you see the same corridor, right? <laughs> again, again, yeah, again. yeah, yeah, yeah. And this looks like one of those. Yeah, and and, and that's cool. I, I like the idea. I like the idea that they're trying to slip in a little. You know, uh, science. Yeah. You know, <laughs> science. We're slipping in some science for you people. Yeah, 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 well, yeah, you know, yeah. what, the funny thing is sometimes you watch traders, and there's a few of these traders that was our homework assignment here. And I'm looking at the trend, and I'm like, oh, okay, what is this? You know, so then I got to go it up, and you know, so I so I read the the blurb on it, and it's like, while recovering from a suicide attempt, Ben Ben Layton accidentally falls in love with a girl who was very nearly almost his sister, and then things start to get weird. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. So it's like it kind of oh, reminds okay. me. It, it reminds me a little bit of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, only in that it's this weird, quirky love story that takes place in this. Oh, I'm sure that fiction. that was on there. But here's yeah. the thing: when you see the trailer for that, 
as I remember seeing it, it's like, you know, this looks like it could be interesting, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, to me, a trader should be, I should not have to go look up what this movie is when I'm watching it. <laughs> I right? don't know That's what's my going point. on. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, what, yeah. what am I seeing here? Because a trader should get me to go like, yeah, I want to see it. You guys see Early Man or you see Bird Boy, you're like, sure, the trader says something to you, you I want to see it. And, and, and watching both those traders, it's like, yeah, I, get, I see what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Now, either you buy into it or you don't. But then there are traders like, I don't know what you're doing. Why should I see this movie? Yeah. And Entanglement was just that kind of trader to me. It might not be a good movie. I don't know. But I'm thinking if that's your trader, you're going to have trouble getting people in to see your movie. Unless you want to lie about it like Aronofsky's mother, where it's like, oh, that's not the movie you're going to get, my friends, when you watch the trailers. But, but yeah, I mean, and, again, it could be a good movie, but... Based upon the trailer, I'd, I'd have to wait and see that to help sure. people tell me what, what's going on. It's like, oh, is it good? Oh, okay, you say it is? Very very good. I'll go see it then. Right on. Uh, let's uh, see. A Futile and Stupid Gesture. It looks like a docudrama on the early days of National Lampoon. That looks great. Yeah, it does. I, I'm all yeah that, could be, that could be great or it could be bad. I, yeah. I, I, well, I don't know. Well, everything I mean, could be great or it could be bad. <laughs> well, no, no. There are times you see trailers and you're like, no, this is going to yeah. be great. When yeah. I saw Conan, I couldn't wait to see Conan, right? That trailer was magnificent. Uh, and, but, yeah, I mean, I talk about the original, the Milius one. What, yeah. Milius' trailer? No, you're saying Milius' no, trailer sucks? I thought you were talking about the Momoa one. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about the original one. Yeah. I remember seeing that in the theater, and I could yeah. not wait to see that movie, right? And I mean, that's my point. Disappointed. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, the, the, I'm not talking about the second, the remake. Well, still have never yeah, gotten they, no, they have not. But what I'm saying is traders yeah. need to get you jazzed. And 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 if you see a trader where you're neither not you're either not jazzed or you're like, you know, I'm not sure if it's good or bad, you're probably going to say, eh, I'm not going to see it, I right? Think, I think this it, looks it, to me this trailer makes me really want to see this movie. It's very it, it's interesting when they start you know, getting into like the, I'm invested uh, a little bit because I watched the documentary about the. I was just going to mention it. Yeah. It's something. Yeah, and I remember. You know, I read the magazine like yeah. many people back yeah, in the yeah, day. Yeah. It seems like it's the rise and fall of National Lampoon. Mm, not sure. Great. Well, you know, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. You know, sure. Which, is what which could be interesting, yeah. but mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these movies you don't really know. And I think I think a trader, the job of a trader is to get you excited to see something, even if you're not sure about the topic. Like that looks interesting. Right, that didn't necessarily look that interesting. I think it, it for this for me this lands now on my radar, and I want to see more. I want a trailer and maybe yeah. hear a review or two before yeah. I yeah. invest. I would agree with that. Uh, next up, Gringo, Charlize Theron, something about a drug courier kidnapped in Mexico. It's kind of a comedy. It looks funny. Can we just agree yeah. that Charlize Theron is hot as fuck and move on? Because it's all now. It's that's what she's doing. What, why do we need to move on? Uh, what, what do you mean by that? Well, I just think it's it's. She, I think Charlize Theron clearly is is a gifted actress, and she's kind of being reduced not reduced, but it's like she's kind of falling into doing the same sort of roles. Like I don't see much of a difference here in this role as and the role that she had in the whatever the Fast and Furious movie that she did. Well. Yeah, I, I think she's. I think she's. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, so Atomic Blonde. Remember, well, yeah, but remember, she did Monster, and that was crazy. She did good. Monster, and it was great. She also did the Cider House Rules, which was great. Mm-hmm. And because yeah. uh, yeah. so she's capable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why are why I, why I am I seeing so much of your tits now? Yeah. So maybe that's just well, me being a well, very, I mean, an old married these, guy. Uh, they they sometimes it's kind of funny. You get these 
uh, funny as an ironic, I guess, when you get people who aren't really known for action movies, like Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. suddenly doing a whole series of action movies. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, we're not doing the action movies anymore, and we're moving on to something else. Maybe, maybe that's just maybe that's just a phase because they liked her in this movie and say, hey, she's a big name, and we want to we have a movie called Atomic Blonde, and uh, it, let's get someone it, who's known. It kind of looks like it's the guy, the uh, the the black actor, I forget his name, who it seems like the movie is kind of centered on him, and they keep cutting. Back. Oh, and yeah, Dave, uh, David Oilolo, David yeah. Ololo, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. his name is Oilolo. Hopefully, I'm mis- not mispronouncing that. But, so, but it's yeah, like, the movie seems to be about him. Yeah, he looks great. You wonder, yeah. like, if were they were they even on ever on set together? You know, because that is that kind <laughs> of a know. thing, yeah, right? 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 Because there, I mean, it's got a great cast. It's like Godzilla. Yeah, it Let's cut back to Raymond Burr. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, oh, let's see. In this movie, what? <laughs> um, this this next one is one of the ones that I'm I really was struck by and that's Lost Birds. Two Armenian children search for their parents Dude, the cinematography in this looks, looks great. Holy shit. Like it does this, look pretty cool. Man. Like this mm. is like I'm looking at this I'm thinking the fall. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, thinking, yeah. Uh, it, it oh just, just give me a box of tissues oh, and let me just cry my eyes. Also released in in uh twenty fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which was the hundredth anniversary of the uh Armenian genocide. genocide. Yeah, there's a documentary yeah. on that that's yeah. coming. Which out. is what I think this I mean, movie's looks, touching upon. I think yeah, so, because like the kids are like, you know, our folks are here and boom, mm-hmm. now they're not. Yeah. Once again there's a tr- you look at the trailer and you go like, Okay, I'm not really sure what this is about but it's interesting. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, there's some the, the like finally, so the cinematography is great, Dude. and it's like you know this this could be an interesting movie. I'm not kind of sure, but you've got my interest, and mm-hmm. I think yeah, that's yeah. what a trader needs to do, and exactly. this this trader does that exactly. Let's see. Next up, Peter Jackson produced Steampunk Mortal Engine. Yeah, I never, you know, as as much as I'm into steampunk, there's like every other genre, there's like different different aspects of it that mm-hmm. people are into, and this is. This, this was never my thing. I tried. To I have read, no idea what's going I on. I tried to read the Mortal. It looked books. like uh, what is that? Howl's moving castle. So basic. Well, kind of. Basically, what happens is there's the, the world has become depleted of resources, and the only way for cities to kind of maintain themselves is to become mobile, and to be able to go around the world to where the resources are. Mm-hmm. There are these big. Giant cities, I forgot what they're called, attraction cities, I can't remember. But anyway, London is one of them. And part of what you do, in addition to going around trying to find natural resources, is you eat up, you devour smaller cities. Yeah. And uh, and of course, that's all all we've gotten in this teaser. But we've got Um, like flying chain grappling. There's this crazy shit going on. Yeah, it's cool. And and, and it's all, you know. I think WIDA is working overtime on this one. Yeah. I just don't know. That I it, there was enough there that made me go ooh yeah I yeah the trailer's kind of dazzling but it but it just ah I don't know I mean Peter Jackson's name's associated with really? that's obviously how they're going to try to sell it but mm-hmm. he's one of many producers and one of many writers yeah. so it's not like this is his movie right. yeah, yeah, yeah. well they're certainly pitching it in the trailer that it way kinda, it looks of like course which movie. is yeah. why he's I from think a it's directed by Christian Rivers which who is like. Uh, one of his Jackson collaborators for a long time. Yeah. He was the storyboard, uh, and it's one of there's four books. My understanding is yeah. the, this is this is the first novel of a four novel set of books on this it topic. This does well. Not since, not since Maze Runner have yeah. we. <laughs> yeah. This does well. We're going to see more of them. Sure, we will. Yeah, cannot wait. I just I you know I I don't know. It's, yeah, it just leaves me 
not feeling anything. Kind of cold. That's a problem. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Next up, trailer for Ocean's Eight. Sure. Great cast. Uh, Great cast. Yeah. yeah. Sh- sure. Okay. Yeah. I guess. I, a- I don't know that we needed to necessarily be tied to the whole ocean thing, but okay. It's a heist film. It's so, a heist okay. film. I'm, I'm, in, I'm looks, always in for this. And it's, it looks fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah. If Everyone's attractive. If you like that movie, or if you like those kind of movies, you're going to love this Even Mindy movie. Co- yeah. Colling or whatever. Yeah. She, and, but now it's got the controversy because uh, the, all the social justice warriors want Matt Damon to not be in it. So they're petitioning to get him dropped. I made the joke about how the men get Oceans 11, 12, and 13, and women only get Oceans 8, and they're still yes, only getting about 75% that, of what a man gets. Yeah, that's, that's terrible. Leah, my friend Good Leah, point. came back and said, no, it proves that you don't need as many women to get a job done as you do with men, because I thought it was really fun. That's a good comeback. That was really good. Uh, I'm going to skip that But yeah, one. it looks fun. looks fun. I'm yeah. going to skip that next one and come back to it. Uh, they released the trailer for Sicario 2 Soldado. I'm kind of in. You know what makes oh, I'm, me I'm in? I'm definitely in. What I'm makes me in is Benicio Del Toro holding a gun with that finger thing in the yeah. trigger guard. Yeah. And I'm just like, that is so dumb that I'm kind of in. Okay. I was a big fan of the first one uh, that was released. That was, I guess, his name is Denis Villanueva, yeah. the guy who directed Arrival and Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Right, right. And I don't know how well that movie did. I don't think it did that well, but I really liked it. And the fact oh. that they're making a second one, I'm like, oh, and you and you got you know Benicio del Toro back and Trollin and the well, that, and the clip. The trailer looks really good. That particular that movie is is uh, high on people's list for um, their favorite movies for that year. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. me, for me, certainly. I think financially, that's, I, financially, I don't think it did well. But, but critically, I think it's pretty well received. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I've it. not seen it. I need to watch it. It just it, it has that stuff in it that I just like. I'm so sick of. I'm sick of seeing guys running around with semi-automatic or it's all it's all very heat oriented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's why we that's why we dislike those john wick movies <laughs> but you know the the in the first one there's a there's a great scene at the dinner table where he invades that family's house yes it's so em- good emily blunt's in the movie too she yeah emily blunt job. and she's really great in it um she was we just we talked about in film that her and her husband are in now about the they how they live in the forest and they have to be quiet because there's oh monsters. yeah 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 yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, something called sense. "Some of Histories." I didn't write it. Down. What, what was in it? Does anyone remember? If not, we'll just move "Some on. of Histories." That wasn't. I didn't see that on the list. So I don't know what that ah, is. Skip it. Okay. Finally, this is a. I, I'm very interested in this Saturday Church um, story of, of it looks to be a boy who's trans growing up and getting bullied, and he meets up with this group of. Uh, people who are also transgendered, and they do this thing called Saturday Church. Did you not watch this? You're looking at me weird. Uh, it, I, I saw the trailer. Yeah, it, it sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just watched the trailers today. Yeah, but it, for some reason it's, it's black not and white. With it me. looks really good. It looks like the movies in black and white. The trailer I saw. No, was no, no, in no, color. no, no. I take that back. I take that back. Um, but it looks really good. It looks like you know finding your family kind of a thing. Right. And. Um, well, if you're watching the trader, I mean, they, I jotted this down because this is what comes across the trader, and I think it sums it up. A unique musical journey about finding yourself inspired by true events. Hmm. Yeah, okay. it kind of felt like there's a movie called um, Eight Centimeters. It's South American. Uh-huh. 
find that if you can. It's about a she's a transgendered prostitute in Brazil who's narcoleptic. And the film oh, is very much black and white and very sort of muted colors. Uh-huh. And then when she goes into her narcoleptic fugue, everything becomes, it's all it musical becomes, numbers. It, it's kind of like Dancer in the Dark. Kind of like that. Yeah. Um, but they're all like pop songs, like Madonna songs sure. and of the day. And it's great. And sure, this sure, kind sure. of felt like a similar to that. You know, the idea of like, my my friends and family have have banished me for whatever reason, and here's this other community that is welcoming me. In. Right. And I yeah, thought yeah, I yeah. think any time. Was the sum of that, history is like a documentary about something? I don't remember. I honestly that I that feel like we're you. missing a documentary from the list. Mm, I don't think so. Uh, okay. Anyway, um, I don't. Well, wasn't it, wasn't that documentary Mortal Engines? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, so that that's trailers. Do we want going around to you? First, what have you watched anything this yeah. week? What? Um, Charlie Gamora uncredited. I heard about this. It's a documentary about Charlie Gamora. <laughs> right. Charlie Gamora was a, a, a young guy from the Philippines at the in the twenties. Came to the United States and uh, was a set designer and inventor, and wound up becoming the um, the gorilla suit guy. Okay. For all those early, all the <laughs> movies. I like that. Yeah, and uh, actually uh, invented a mechanism that it, that involved uh, when you open the jaw, like the the lip curls. Oh yeah, yeah. And that they wound up using in like everything, like 2001. Space is this on Netflix or is it uh, Amazon Prime? Nice. Yeah. I did cool. And and I had heard about it, but it was like, where the fuck am I going to find this? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, my chance meeting with Todd Masters, he was like, hey man, have you have you checked this out? I'm like, I've wanted to. But I will. And, yeah. and that, boom, there it was. Nice. Yeah, so do, it was like, do you know how long a career this gentleman had? Yeah, he was he was around for decades. decades. Wow. So I, so I might have, is it possible we would have seen him like in a Three Stooges short or something? Possible, yeah, mm-hmm. in a gorilla suit. I yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. he had a him and Bob Burns. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, Bob Burns, like, uh, you know, he'll tell you all about this. Yeah, yeah. He was on Gilbert's show. He was talking a lot about. Yeah, it. Bob yeah, Burns yeah, is yeah. great, man. Uh, that's the thing that I've I've seen most recently. That, right on. That I really was excited about. Dave. Right on. I know Brian wants to talk about a couple things, so I'm gonna hit mine real quick. Uh, it was a pretty uneventful week. With the highs were um, Kate Beckinsale and a political Vera Farmiga and a political sort of thing called Nothing But the Truth. Uh-huh. Uh, I rewatched the King's speech and I enjoyed that a lot. Mm-hmm. The bad news is um, uh, Russell Brand in New York City. Someone convinced this guy not to ever try to do stand up again. Uh, World of the Dead, Zombie Diaries 2. I'm working on a zombie thing. I felt like I needed to watch zombies. Sure. Uh, Grave Encounters 2. I watched, rewatched True Legend, the, the Yun Wu Ping thing. Yeah. And then um, I really like David Moody's Autumn books. They're zombie related uh-huh. fare. And um, uh, they made a film of it, and it is absolutely terrible. Uh, so I see where it. I see where uh, it stands. Stands red has made a couple of top ten yes. uh, orphans for them. I was just talking to Ellen Datelow on Facebook about that, and I was like, "Yeah, you should totally check that." Oh, out. Oh, dude, yeah. So Brian, you had said you wanted to talk about it, and one of them was Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, what I want to do is just 
very quickly just go through since it's the end of the year what I all the movies I've seen this year. Um, just kind of best, worst, enjoyable, and then just hit, hit, end with uh, Je- Jedi. Okay. Um, uh, one of the greatest movies I saw this year, and I'm sure this will be in um, during awards season, the Academy Awards will nominate this movie for a variety of things. Three Billboards Outside right. Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, that looks great. Excellent. It's excellent. And, and Sam Rockwell, I'm sure, will win the Academy Award for supporting actor. Um, so I thought that was one of the best films of the year. Big fan of Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. Uh, big fan of Baby Driver. I'm going to interrupt um, you and say I yeah. agree with that about Blade Runner 2049. So many people gave it shit, and I oh I, uh, yes I know. I feel like it's it's one of the first real first, but it's one of it goes in those movies that are like I refer to them as immersive. Like you you go in and you're just happy to be there. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Go ahead. And then, and then two films that deal with 1940, uh, World War II. Dunkirk, which I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Darkest Hour with Gary Oldman as Churchill. And oh, he's, okay. uh, uh, he's going to get an Academy Award nomination for that. Um, do, you, do you think both he's going to win? I, you know, depending upon what his competition is, he's a front runner for me. He wasn't. I yeah, mean, I hear when, a, when, you, when an actor makes you forget that you're seeing an actor and you're seeing the, the person, uh-huh. I think that's when you, you know, you deserve an award. And, and he does a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. And um, I also like Bedrock. Mm-hmm. And then a Japanese anime movie, which I believe came out last year, but I was released here this year, which I really liked a lot, called Your Name. Yeah. Um, and I would definitely say seek that They're out. They're doing a live-action version of it, I hear. Oh, yeah. We well, recorded on that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. So really like that. Worst films, I really hated the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Really hated it because it was insulting. Uh, Rings, I thought was really bad. And Birth of the Dragon, I hate to put it on my worst film list, but it was not very good. But there's <laughs> things about it that I like. I'm so glad. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to. Those fuckers it's, need it's to just, knock it's an that insult. shit off. Wow. It's an insult. But there are things I do like about it. Uh, and as far as enjoyable films, I, we're all agreed John Wick 2, uh, or John Wick Chapter 2 was, was a solid one. Sure. Um, a big fan of Logan. Did like Get Out. Mm-hmm. I think the superhero movie of the year, Wonder Woman. Um, and Disaster Artist, I like that. I like that. It was a lot of fun. If anybody's seen The Room, Tommy Wiseau or Wiso mm-hmm. or however you pronounce his name, uh, Franco. I went into the movie thinking like, oh, is Franco going to really do an impression? What's he going to do with this oh, role? He nails it. Oh, he nails it. Yeah, yeah he yeah. nails it. And I tell anybody who has not seen this film, who's interested, stay through all the credits because there's a great scene at the end. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. People good. are so, suggesting a room disaster like. Their, their theater playing the room like first, it, and then they do the dance. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No. And, and he, does this, he does this really cool thing at the end of the film before he gets to the credits where he shows you the, the sequence from the room. Right, the side-by-side. The sequence side. that he did side-by-side, side, which is very clever. Those are out but, on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. but he, YouTube. he inhabits the role. And, you know, I know a lot of people are going to say, like, well, this is not that big of a deal type of movie come Academy Award time. But I, I'm watching Franco, and I'm seeing Tommy Wiseau. Right, Dude, so it's like again, right. he did a job as an actor. Hollywood and, and I think it's loves important. movies about Hollywood. Yeah, absolutely. And yes. so, yeah, I, I can totally see it. I love movies about Hollywood. Um, I saw this awesome thing where um, <laughs> there, it was an article that was <laughs> that was kind of like whitewashing. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, we've hired a human to play. Um, <laughs> 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 Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Okay. So, of course, big movie of the year and the movie that's setting all the records right now, Star Wars Last Jedi. 
Um, I, I don't think I just want to, I don't really want to go into what it's about or whatever, because people are going to see it and they're going to know. But what's fascinated me about this movie, and, and, and uh, I've now seen it twice, um, is that if you look at it on Rotten Tomatoes, not that they're uh, the be-all and end-all of rating movies, but what was interesting to me was that it had a critical score of 93% and an audience acceptance score of 55%. That's a big disconnect. If you look at all the, even if you look at Force Awakens, the critical and audience accepted uh, disconnect is is well, I don't even call it disconnect. It's a very it's very slim. I, I think it's a little bit smaller with Force Awakens. The audience liked it a little bit less than critics, but it's high and there's not a gap. So I'm watching this movie and I'm and I've heard about the negative things that have been said and people are pushing back on it and and Tom just informed me earlier that uh people want to uh uh drop it from the canon. So so you're like, "Well, why? What what what's going on? Why?" So my theory is this. Um it's just my theory. This film takes a different there tack. There's a bunch of butthurt fanboys. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, that would reduce it to a simple common denominator, yes. But I think ultimately what this film does differently than the other movies is this is not a Luke Skywalker movie. This is not, if you like episodes four, five, and six, and you grew up with these episodes, this is not going to be continuing all those storylines. Uh, the Force Awakens was a movie that I think we'll get to because like, it's starting the this again. We haven't seen a movie for about 40 years uh, from the, the original trilogy, not counting Lucas's stuff, but since this picks up from the original trilogy. And so I think people have all these expectations going into The Last Jedi. I think they also have a lot of fan theories that were um, probably formulated after they saw Force Awakens. So you come, and I as a fan had fan theories as well. So I come to Last Jedi, and I'm like, wow, none of my fan theories have come to relation. And wow, this movie does not look at heroes in a heroic way. In fact, the heroes in this movie do things that are kind of stupid and, should, and they should be punished for. And it's the ordinary person in this movie that kind of gets, uh, gets put into the foreground of what's happening. So I think what fans are unhappy about is... It's not what they grew up with, it doesn't go into the direction they expected, and it doesn't meet their fan theories expectations. And I think because they have this disappointment, they're not able to see the forest for the trees. They're, they're, In other words... They're, they're angry, and so they just want to strike back at it because it's yeah. not what they expect. It's, it's a better movie than they expected. Or, no, I, 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 it, yeah, it's definitely... It's, because I think this is one of those... This, this, this may be the only Star Wars movie that fans will look at years from now and come to realize that it's better than they initially thought. Yeah. But because that's, that's there's, indicative there's of all Star Wars movies. They're all, everyone hates them when they come out. And then they're, no, they're, that's not true. That's not true at all. Look at the reception of Empire. I see a lot of articles up saying, like, they're, they're, they're quoting what people said when Empire came out, and they're sort of making you believe that it's from Last Dude, Jedi. That, it's like, that, but no, 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 this was back in 80, whatever. That movie, that, I love that movie. What? In, uh, you know, I mean, can can you find people that didn't like the movie? Yeah, of course. But I mean, in 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 general, in general, Star Wars critically was not that well thought of. It was just a Agreed. comic book movie Agreed. to a lot of people, I think, right? I think a lot. But of I mean, what... but it was. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Um, but it was it was well loved and well thought of by the world. Empire is, is generally is considered the best film, not just in retrospect, but people thought it was just continue the story and was a more Critics liked it more because it was more um, adult. Mm -hmm. it, it, it wasn't just you know fun little creatures running around. So 
the the idea of the Star Wars films, that trilogy, was, I think, was critically pretty well uh, accepted and, and definitely well received. I mean, Lucas did a lot of bad things with his trilogy, which which gets a lot of people angry. But there is this thing on the Internet now, and this is what I, I find kind of fascinating, is the Internet is, yeah, well, it's almost it doesn't matter what you do, you got to hate on stuff. because. Sure. Something it's comes so out, it's like, i got to hate on it because like, I want to show you that I'm smarter than you are. Well, if right, everybody right, likes yeah, this yeah. movie, i got to show you that I'm smarter. So I'm going to tell you what's wrong with this movie. And if you look at some of the people's uh, criticisms of this movie, they are flat out wrong because yeah. they're picking on things that, that don't make sense. Well, Go ahead. Here's the thing. Most of what I'm the bitching I'm hearing is this. I, wah, I didn't get my Star Wars. Right. I'm Correct. And here's what I say, your Star Wars. It's not your Star Wars. So take a knee on that one. Yeah. Secondly, I would re- I would quote Ben Affleck in in Dogma. Let me remind you, these are fictional characters right. <laughs> that you just look. For me, I've checked out. Rogue One is on Netflix. I have no interest in seeing it. This movie, I have no interest in seeing it. Why? Because I'm not eight. And I, and I want more in my entertainment than just mere escapism. And, right. and, and I'm not invested in the franchise. So, yeah, let themselves to bits arguing about whether it's canon or not. Because in a few years, they're gonna the next Star Wars Episode Nine will come out. Yeah. And they'll complain that it's not Last Jedi. So, well, this canon thing is, is annoying to oh, me. Because nothing, nothing is canon. When people say Batman, whatever Batman would be, comes out it's not canon well what canon are we talking about bob kane 1940s canon mm-hmm. i mean these these things have been around for generations and like you said yes uh, you know i i wouldn't insult the audience by saying i'm not eight anymore so i don't have interest these movies can be entertaining <laughs> and they could be good yeah i know and but it's like you know and that's right but like james bond right there's plenty of james bond movies and if sure. you don't like if you don't like daniel craig you have sean connery if you don't like sean connery you know you you have uh, uh, Timothy Dalton, if that's you know that, or George Lazenby for that matter, right? Yeah, so, that's my favorite guy. Yeah, so there's, so there's things that you can David pick Niven. and like, but what I don't understand is like this this thing is 40 years old, and of course not every movie is going to be exact perfect, or you know they're going to take different. One of the, I think one of the I can't remember all the Harry Potter movies, right? They all blur to me, but yeah. there was one Harry Potter movie which I thought was really good, and I can't remember if it was the third one. Because it was all the Harry Potter movies were like two and a half hours or whatever. This one was like yeah. ninety minutes, and it's like nice. you know that was pretty good. But it was different, different than the other Harry Potter movies. Mm-hmm. And I think I think with this movie, um, The Last Jedi, I think people will come to appreciate the different voice because the the director and writer of the movie, uh, I, I believe his name is pronounced Ryan. It's like spelled R I A N. Yeah, uh, Johnson. Yeah, he he decided to do a different. And you know, and I like what he did. You know, yeah. it, well, the, the film is actually, dare I say, it's actually kind of realist, uh, realistic, and how things are portrayed and how battles don't always go the way you think you're going to go down. And heroes aren't really heroic, and it's you know, it's almost like an anti-Star Wars movie in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why people are are the upset. Thing, the thing that I keep getting from coverage, and I haven't seen the movie, is mm-hmm. that the traditional fanboys hate it, and critics and people who are paying attention to whether or not it's a good film, like it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. he, he, the director said that the things that he did, they did in this film, had to happen for for not for not even in episode 9, for continuation of the series. Because okay. clearly, 
Disney is going to just start spitting these things out right, once right, a year. Right. So, yeah, already, one, one, so about one or two movies a year is their, their we've goal. We've already seen that like directors are... It's it's not the director as as it is. The, well, it's the like movie. a Marvel film. Yeah, it's like exactly. we're moving this, this forward. Is, this is this is our thing now. Yeah, but yeah. but in in at the end of the day, did you enjoy it? Absolutely, and I think it I think it is one of the one of the better Star Wars movies because it, it it's a bridge from the old to the new, and I think that's what what people are are uh, uh, objecting about. But I found it entertaining. Now, having having said that, I, I freely admit, I freely admit. That there are plot contrivances, and there are things that I wish they would explain, like how come the First Order is so powerful, and, and how did Supreme Leader Snow come to power, and who are the Knights of Ren? You know, there are questions that I'd like to have answered, but the thing is, this is not a documentary, it's a fantasy film. No. So the thing, does it entertain you, right? Well, I love John Wick movies. Are they real? No. Mm-hmm. That guy can't do that. Right, but I had a good time, Adam. But if I sit there and go, you know what? Let me dice this and see how this would actually really happen. Well, you, again, coming back to my analogy earlier, do you want to drive the car, or do you understand every engine part that makes up the car? Right, right, right. It's yeah, like, you. You, you, do you enjoy the ride, or are you just going to concentrate on all this stuff that doesn't really matter at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what's important to remember. They're going to do incredibly well. I think fans will come back and enjoy it down the road. But there are a lot of movies that don't hit fans. I mean, 2001 wasn't a, a, a great movie for, with fans and, and people uh, and critics when it came out. I mean, so I think you can come back later and enjoy it. And I think, I think that's what will happen here. Okay. But we live in the age of the Internet. And unfortunately, the Internet is a bipolar creation. So you either love it or you hate it. And if you hate it, and if you can't articulate why you hate it, then you've got to find stupid crap to pick on. And I think that's what's happening here. And so Apocalypse Houses, the movie's good. Yeah. I recommend it. You know, don't go, don't go see this just as a fanboy or fangirl. Just go see it as a film, and, and I think you'll find it entertaining. Cool. All right. So uh, we're going to wind up here right now. Uh, are you reading anything you uh, want to talk about? I went back and reread uh, the Snape X, uh, the Snape the Snake Bite Survivors Club um, by uh, Jeremy Seal. It, it's it's a it's a collection of um, uh, it, it started with the author has this uh, phobia of snakes, and so he went around and interviewed people who had been bitten by venomous snakes around the world, and uh, it survived. Hmm. And uh, there's some really cool stories in there. My favorite being the lady who was held captive by her snake handling preacher husband, who forced <laughs> her to get bit by rattlesnakes repeatedly because he thought she was a harlot or something. Sure. Wow. It's, it's you know, speaking of uh, that, look at my snake. Uh, shout out to a friend of the show, Lorelai Shannon, and um, her book. Uh, Possum Kingdom. Yeah, they got. She got some. She's got some great snake handling. Yeah, there's there. some yeah, great yeah, snake, yeah. snake Right on. Right on. Right. Brian. Is, um. Uh, well, I just been, hold on, Oh, hold sorry. On, Brian. As far as reading, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. Brian, you. I just finished a book called Genocide: A World History by Norman Neymark, which is uh, a downer of a book, but kind of fascinating. Um, and um, I'm currently reading a book by Victor Hansen called The Second World Wars. Wars as in plural which is not so much a setup of events that happened during World War II, but an analysis of why things happened and how they went down. And I, I like Victor Davis Hanson. He's known as an ancient scholar, Greece and Rome. So, um, uh, but he does dabble in modern things. 
And this book uh, uh, talks about World War II, but he also does, uh, he, has, he, he harkens back to the ancient world, which I find rather fascinating. So it's been a very enjoyable read thus far. Cool. Uh, I mentioned last week that I bought, I got a free certificate for Amazon, and I bought Rex Miller's book, Slob. I'm in the middle of a bat, and it is everything that I remember it. Firing on all cylinders, it's, it's a tight, tight little read. So I highly recommend that. Cool. Uh, you, anything you're listening to, and then we'll get out of here. Um, well, it being the Christmas season, my favorite Christmas song is uh, Carol of the Bells. Mm. Any rendition of it, really. And, of course, that led me to be listening to a lot of Tubular Bells by Michael Oldfield. Yeah. You want to hear a weird thing in that? In my head, whenever I hear Tubular Bells, uh, I think of uh, and the, the book The Andromeda Stream. Oh, dude, oh. I totally get that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I was sick as reading the book, and I had discovered Tubular Bells. Right, and it, right, right. it was there forever. Linked for some that's, reason, a, that's some great stuff, too. Yeah, For yeah. some reason, Tubular Bells it's so always good. says Christmas to me. Weird. And I don't know, I don't know why. It, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Project Records did a Christmas record called Excelsis, and there's a great version of Carol of the Bells, and I want to say it was... I'm probably wrong by this ascension, but there's some great stuff on that. I'll have yeah. to show it to you later. Uh, Love Spirals Downwards, the version of the Who song from uh, oh, yeah. Ivy Holiday, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian, listening to anything good? Yeah, I um, I purchased the Blade Runner 2049 soundtrack. I've and, heard that. Uh, it's so, great. Yeah, I really, I really like it. Yeah, so I'm listening. That's what the, the thing I've been listening to the most recently. It's really percussive. You know. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm still a fan of the Vangelis Blade Runner soundtrack. Sure. Um, the, what's a little weird, though, in this one is, if you have, obviously, you've seen the movie, so you're going to have songs by Elvis Presley and et And, it, it, I mean, I'm like, I like that they're there, but I think rather than, and they, and they come out through the movie, they're played during the movie, but I, I think it might have been wise to maybe put them at the end of the soundtrack. Agreed. Because it, it kind of disrupts well, not, the flow I mean, of the soundtrack. It's not the kind of movie where you can have a score and soundtrack. Mm-hmm. You know, so you kind of have to put them yeah. yeah. And and there's a couple of tunes in the Blade Runner soundtrack um, that when you when you listen to the soundtrack and the tune is in there, it works. Because mm-hmm. it, it, the, the, the thing about the Blade Runner soundtrack that I've always loved and still do is even if you never saw the movie, you, li- you listen to the soundtrack, it tells a story. Yeah, and it flows very, very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The twenty forty nine soundtrack's a little different. Um, right, right, but, right. Um, uh, but yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it. I definitely, and it's, and it's a two disc set. So right on. Cool. Uh, let's see. I'm I'm gonna go through these really fast. Um, Adam Shake has a new record out called Blossom Volume One and Two. It's ambient. It's great. He spells his name A D A M H S H A I K H. Um, he's phenomenal. He's got a whole... Well, let me write that down. Hang on a second. He's got a whole roster you, of you albums. You can go back and listen to yeah, write that down. That are great. Uh, I, I just... Yeah. Hopefully people got that. I listened to the soundtrack, uh, John Bryan's soundtrack of Lady Bird. It's full of like one-minute, two-minute cues. And there's mm. a lot of them. It's okay. There's nothing I really blew my way about. The other thing was um, they, Culture Club released a live record. It's called Live at Wembley 2016. And it's terrible. Hmm. Uh, Boy George is gone. Man George is back. It's literally. Man Do George. you really want to hurt? <laughs> and it's go. It's like, oh my god. 
Yeah, cocaine and cigarettes have ravaged uh, that guy's that's, that's how I feel about Elton John. Like, like El- after Elton John got the surgery and got the polyps removed from his throat, like, I don't. <laughs> it's like always his yeah. Throat, yeah. I was. Did talking- you see? Did you see him in Kingsman: The Golden Circle? Oh yeah, Elton yeah, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you Did you like him in that? I don't know if I like that movie. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just seemed like <laughs> such a gimmick to me. It just seemed like such a gimmick. Yeah, it's total stunt casting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Two last ones. A uh, girl named Eliza Hewitt. She has a record out called The Pang Variants. Think Tori Amos, non-weirdo Bjork. Okay, <laughs> you're there. <laughs> wait, wait, let me write that down again, please. Let me write that And down. then the my pick of the week is uh, Didier Lockwood. has a quartet record called Open Doors. Didier Lockwood is a violinist. Think of uh, a non-electronic fusion-y Jean-Luc Ponty. Okay. And it's really good. It's called Open Doors. You can find some of the stuff on um, on YouTube. Cool. All right. Christmas. Merry Bam. Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Happy, holidays, Happy holidays. Whatever you want to say. Kwanzaa. We just our, uh, God bless us. One and all. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, next week we have Richard Smethurst coming on, and we're gonna. We haven't decided what we're gonna talk about, but he tabled a bunch of really cool ideas. Richard yeah. uh, is a uh, podcaster. From Britain that yeah. we're gonna we're gonna talk to, and I think it's gonna be fun to see where our yeah, overlap is. Yeah, exactly. I did his show once about a year ago where uh-huh. we talked about the fall, right. and it was just mostly me going, "It's so it's good." It's so good. Anyway, <laughs> thanks again. Uh, that's whatever the fuck this episode was. One fifty-five. Uh, for the bonus material podcast, I'm Tom Carnell. I'm Brian Ellison, and I'm Langley West. Stay scary. <laughs> <laughs>